0: Hey, what's up, storytellers? If you'd love to know how to support 88 Cups of Tea, you can head over to this episode's show notes page at 88cupsoftea.com slash podcast slash Stephanie-Garber. Stephanie's show notes page is also packed with highlights of the topics that are covered from her episode along with timestamps. We also put up our favorite quotes and a list of all the helpful books and resources that she mentions throughout our conversation. Since we're talking about the show notes page right now, I've been trying to find ways to change up the format of our show notes page, and I recently posted a question in our private Facebook group asking our community for their input. I just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you to all of you who took the time to jump in the comments and share your amazing suggestions. A tremendous thank you to our listener, Anna Wagner, for taking the time to unpack all the details about how to write web copy and listing actionable step-by-step tips on how to improve our show notes page. Anna, you are incredible. Seriously, thank you for getting back to me so quickly and putting so much thought into your suggestions. I've implemented all of the changes that you suggested, and I'm so excited to hear about what our community thinks about our new format. Now, on to our guests, we have Stephanie Garber on the show with us today. Stephanie is a New York Times and internationally best-selling author of Caravelle and Legendary that just released this week. Her debut novel, Caravelle, has been translated into over 30 languages, and the film rights for it have been optioned by 20th Century Fox. In today's episode, we discuss how Stephanie creates her impactful and sincere social media presence and how to cope with loneliness and rejection as a storyteller and turn it into a learning experience. She shares a really inspiring story of persevering beyond rejection and shame to fulfill her passion of becoming an author, and how to find the courage to push past a creative block. We also get into detail about knowing when to put a story aside and starting a new one, how to craft vulnerable and confident characters, and we share stories about anxiety and how to practice self-care. There's a really fun, cool fact that you'll come across later in the episode where you'll learn how Stephanie first discovered she has synesthesia and her specific type of synesthesia. We wrap up the conversation by diving into listener questions that were posted in our private Facebook group. So here's a few examples. Does Stephanie have some insights she could share about her skeleton draft and that drafting process? How much character building detail is put into the draft at that stage? What is the hardest thing when trying to write the first draft? Any tips on getting past the dreaded first draft? And what is her process like when it comes to fleshing out her characters? Does she have any tips and tricks for creating a vivid sense of place? Storytellers, I experimented with a new style of editing for this episode. I'm normally pretty militant with my editing and like to keep the episodes as concise as possible. But for today's conversation, I went through and did minimal editing so it really feels like you're listening in on a phone call between two new friends. Just a heads up, this episode is longer than most and I promise every minute is worth it. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the editing style. If you like the natural flow, let me know. Or if you personally like them more concise, let me know too. Hit me up on Twitter at 88 Cups of Tea or let me know in our private Facebook group. Now let's jump right into the conversation. Hey everyone, we have Stephanie Garber with us
1: today. Stephanie, how are you? I'm good. I'm like resisting the urge to wave because I know no (laughs) one can see it, but I feel like waving, actually no, I am waving even though no one can see. (laughs) Oh my God, you know what? I'm
0: literally waving right now at my screen. So just in case, so anybody feels that energy we're both waving at you stephanie and i just chatted just for a little bit in the beginning right before we started recording and she's just so cool and you listeners requesting for stephanie on the show you all are right she is the sweetest kindest and most warm human being i'm so thrilled y'all mentioned stephanie for the show stephanie i'm very excited to have you on We're talking today on a Monday on Memorial Day. So Stephanie took time off of her long weekend to hang out with us. So thank you in advance, Stephanie. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Also, her book is coming out tomorrow, Legendary, on Tuesday. And by the time this releases, it'll be Thursday when this releases. So it'll
1: release this week. Stephanie, how are you feeling about it? I'm, you know, I'm so excited. Um, I am. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I overused that word. It's kind of surreal. I, I worked like over two years on this book wow. <laughs> and there were moments I never thought I would finish it. I thought I'd have to give back the money. All like my <laughs> imagination was wild. And also just like readers have been so excited and so amazing. I woke up this morning and there were so many people had tweeted at me how excited they were for tomorrow. Aww. It felt like release day. And I was just like, it that was amazing. amazing.
0: Look at look at this community that you've created for yourself from your, your words that you plucked out of thin air. Isn't that incredible when you think about it where you literally, there was like a blank slate, blank page, nothing. And then suddenly your brain starts thinking of all these ideas and boom, you start plotting the words and everything and the ideas. And now you have a massive following they're so excited for your book to come out. Isn't that just crazy to you that you created all this?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think back to like the first books I wrote (laughs) that I just was like wanting someone to read them. Um, and yeah, just when you put it that way, it is, it's amazing. It's amazing (sighs) to think like I could write something and it's in hands of people all over the world and they're seeing the same characters I am. And, yeah, it's like the best feeling. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: Well, it's well-deserved. I'm very happy for you. You just sound like honestly, just one of the nicest people. And you sound like you give so much back to the writing community as well as Jenny Bent, your agent mentioned in her episode, she was saying how when she repped you, I remember what was the question I asked? I think You know what? I think there's a question that one of our listeners asked about social media presence, if that matters for authors when she's looking to bring on new clients. And she mentioned, not really, but it is really nice when she specifically used you as a perfect example, when the authors that she just signed are getting all these amazing feedback when they hear that this specific person is being represented, and they're like, Oh my gosh, she's like the sweetest. She's so nice. She gives so much to the community. So, for Jenny Bent, she was saying how it was just incredible hearing that kind of feedback. Then she knows that the author she's representing has given so much of herself already to the writing community, hence why all the loving support in return when they found out that you were represented. So I still remember that story very clearly. And I just thought that was amazing. And that ties in with why so many people are so excited for Legendary to come out. Not only are you an amazing storyteller, but also that you have so much heart that you've given already. Says so much about you and it's very well-deserved. And
1: I just thought it would be important. Just put it out there on the show huh. well, and okay. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for all that. And I, I adore Jenny to pieces. I adore her. Aww. Um, and, and I just want to say this cause I think also like I wrote for a long time and Jenny was my second agent. I wrote for a long time before I sold a book. And I remember that year, the year before I signed with Jenny and, um, it was, it was, it was a really, really hard year. Um, and I was, I did everything I could that year. I remember doing everything I could. I tried to go to like every book event and I live in California, but I don't live in the Bay area. So it was, it was a trek. (laughs) A lot of people think I live there and they don't, but I I wanted to do it. And I met a lot of friends and it was amazing. And I was so happy to be a part of a community, but I remember, and I say this for anyone who else is like in that position right now where it's like you you might not have an agent or you might have an agent and you might not be published yet and you feel like you're not a part of the community because you're mm. not published, which I, I just always want to squash that because some of my closest friends aren't agent, aren't published. Like it doesn't mean that you're not part of this community at all. Like that is not true. And so I hate that people feel like that because I felt like that. I always Mm. felt like even though I was doing all the things I felt like on the outside looking in, but then hearing you say that it's like, you know, all that time, like was so amazing because by the time I did find Jenny and then sell a book, I had community and I couldn't imagine like as nice as the idea is of writing a book, getting an agent right away and selling it. Like that would be terrifying because you wouldn't have friends to go with it, Mm. you know, through with it. And you wouldn't have other people like who you've seen and you've learned from. So it makes me thankful for all those years of rejections. And, oh. uh, so I just wanted to cut into say that just for anyone who, who might be in that place. Oh, that was oh. amazing. Thank you for honestly even
0: touching on that and shining light on that. In our Facebook group, we do check in with each other uh, basically on a daily. And there were times where people have mentioned where they don't feel very much included sometimes. And also, I have these three questionnaires before they try to enter the group, and I ask them specifically, you know, why is it that they they want to join the group, and what is it they're looking for? And a lot of people mention how lonely they feel. So, like almost every person, I don't want to say everyone, but let's just say a large majority who are asking to join the group literally write the word lonely or alone in the questionnaire. Um, and it, it breaks my heart. And as soon as I see that, I'm like, Oh, accept. I'm like, I'm gonna give you yeah. some love and girlfriend. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate you mentioning that because it will resonate with so many of our listeners, like a majority of them. Maybe they haven't mentioned it in public or on Twitter, but I'm sure they're going through it because they've answered it privately with me. So I know that your answer, your your thought right there, that really will hit home with a lot of our listeners and really bring them peace. you know. So thank you yeah. for that. I, I appreciate that. And then if, if there's any other nuggets you'd love to step in throughout our conversation, I'm gladly accept. <laughs> so please don't ever apologize if you want to share a side note or anything seriously. Oh, you're so sweet. I, I just oh my gosh, I just know <laughs> I'm gonna love you. I already do and I'm just so excited to start chatting even more. I definitely want to dive into more of this. Uh, Let me just start off first by asking what I ask most of our listeners when we kick off the episode is how you first fell in love with storytelling. Oh gosh. You know, (laughs)
1: it's so, I feel like it's it's so, so, it's it's a hard question. It's a hard question. It's so hard to separate those early memories. Um, And it's so funny. Like I hate watching home videos. I don't know. This or if your readers are oh my gosh I think they're so embarrassing no they're so
0: cute I love looking well I love looking at other people's home videos so maybe yes that's true for myself I'm a little like oh god do we have to play this right now but no I would love to see your home
1: videos but yes sorry go on they they will never no one will see them but the other day My sister was visiting my parents and then my mom called me up after and she's like, oh my gosh, those videos we were watching. She's like, Stephanie, even as a little girl, you were like, (laughs) I can't believe I'm going to say this. She's like, you would just like sing in the background and be like, I'm a fairy princess. (laughs) She's like, you were always, always making, making up stories. And. And I, and I know that I was, but I think like, if I look back, like I remember the first like writing stories was in Intel elementary school, but I was always pretending I would, you know, I would go to Disneyland as a kid because growing up in California and not every summer, but every other summer we drive down South and go. And I just remember, I still have the princess hat I bought. Oh my bra. God. That's so cute. Yeah. And I, I would wear it and I would just pretend that I'd go on the rides. Like, and I, that they were coming to life. Oh my God. And I would imagine what it would be like to like, I'm hoping at least that you've been to Disneyland, right? Yes, You're- girl. I love <laughs> Disneyland and Disney World. Are you joking? It's <laughs> a double check. There are some people who've never been. Well, you know, I just can't talk to those kind of people. You know what I mean? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Trust me. You can talk to me about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would always imagine like going on Pirates of the Caribbean yes. and a scene with the treasure.
2: Yes. And it was like,
1: All the treasure. Yes. And I wanted to like get off the boat and like that's where my story was going to start. Like I could always imagine like what happened if I got off the boat? What kind of treasure would I find? And where would this magic treasure take me? It wasn't like about wealth as much as it was like about like finding a magical object that would take me into a portal fantasy basically. Damn. Um,
0: Girl, you're creative. (laughs) I'm like, listen, I love the rides, but my gosh, I wish I was just half as creative as you. Dang.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think it started there, just like imagining myself in these places. And my mom didn't want us watching TV, bless her for that. Um, so we didn't watch a lot of TV and like all the kids in my neighborhood were super athletic. I'm not. And <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, like I lived next to like all the football players. And so even before they were football players as like little kids, it was like if I was it for tag, I was done. I was never tagging anyone <laughs> ever. <laughs> and so I just loved making things up. And as soon as like, I learned to write stories in elementary school, like when we were taught, I would just, I wrote all these little books and stories. Wow. And so I think just all my life, I've always loved imagining and creating stories and wanting to be in places that don't exist. You know what boggles my mind? You sound like
0: if, if you ever dabbled into it, you would have been an incredible actor. You know that? <laughs> because your imagination is so powerful and you really live it. Just saying, because this is from me, from my acting background, where I just see it in that perspective. I'm like, whoa, Stephanie sounds like she could pull so many from her resources, like in her brain, like a Rolodex of emotions and imagination, creativity. And that's something that a lot of actors have to train for just to even have that to pull from. So you already sound like you naturally have that. And I'm like, oh, have you ever thought about dabbling into that? Like when you were a
1: kid? Oh man, you know what? It's so thank you. That's such a nice compliment. Um, no, I never I've only ever thought about acting in terms of a lot of writers say it's good to take like improv classes. Right, to, to get to know your writing. characters. Mm-hmm. So I've thought about it for that, but I, I mean, now as an adult, as a kid, I might have liked the idea a lot, but now as an adult, I like kind of shy away from like being the center of attention. <laughs> so I couldn't imagine it, but I think it would be fun to take like acting classes to help with writing. Cause I yes. like that. But I, I, I like the idea of anyone watching me, like terrifies <laughs> me. I'm like, Oh no, I was so happy when I knew this wouldn't be video. Oh I'm my like, God. Okay. I love <laughs> you. Please tell me you're in your PJs.
0: Cause I am. I'm not in my PJs, but I had just gone to the gym. Like, oh right my Oh my gosh, you are an early bird. I'm like still in my PJs, recovering from a cold. Totally get what you mean. So, okay. So from there, when you're writing stories, when you're younger, you know how some of us, we grew up feeling like, oh, wow, books are amazing. And then we don't realize it's an actual thing where you can be an author as a career. A lot of us find that out much later in life but some kids early on surprisingly they've known since super young that you could be an author as your career where are you in that spectrum are you leaning more towards like the type that you already knew right away and then you started taking classes in high school and and college just to make sure you stay on that path or do you kind
1: of flounder around like most people and then found your way That's such a great question. And it's so funny because I don't know that I even knew the answer to this for a long time until maybe, I don't know how many years ago, but it was before it was before I had my first agent when I was writing. So Jenny Bent's my current agent, she was my second agent. My first agent I found with my fifth book that I'd written. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) So I, so there was a lot of time before that years and I think about 200 rejections because I counted once so and, inspiring wow Oh, okay. I'm glad <laughs> no this is you don't understand like you know how many
0: people have written again in that group yeah. saying that they've gone through yet another rejection and for me it's hard for me to jump in like what I say is I'm so sorry but keep pushing on but I don't have that actual experience to be like yeah. this is what I've been through and this is you know and, I, and I'm not yeah. at that point yet to share that so for you to say this it's a relief like truly and it makes me feel so so grateful that you're sharing this so transparently. Cause then I, I can't say exactly from my experiences what to say. So I'll say, you know what? You need to listen to Stephanie's story.
1: Oh, good. Oh, I'm so glad. And it was, it's so funny. Cause I, I learned through that. Like at the time it was so hard. It was so hard. And I remember going through old boxes of stuff at my parents. Cause I was living with my parents at the time, which, you know, it's my coolness factor of being an unpublished writer who had (laughs) moved back in with her parents. Like every other adult right now. But Mm -hmm. yes, Exactly. But I felt, and now I'm so like, now I look back and I'm so thankful for that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at the time I felt a lot of shame. And then there was one day I was looking through all this old stuff. I don't even know what I was looking through. And I found like a book I'd written in the sixth grade. It was like my life at age 40. And, it talked about how I was an author. Ooh, I just got chills. Oh know, my God. I, was I just so got goosebumps bitch. everywhere. Oh my I God. I also had a house on the beach though, which I, is, I don't. Listen, you're <laughs> going to get there. Life is not over yet. Let me tell you. Oh, but I, I was an author and I was waking up that morning with a call from my publisher. And I remember just reading that. And I think I started crying. I'm oh. emotional. I cry. I own it. I like crying. It's healthy, I think. And I cried because I was like, I've, i, I I really have always wanted this. Like in the sixth grade, this was my dream job. And what happened in high school, it didn't go to the greatest of high schools. Um, It was a new school, um, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have like resources for students. And this was also like the internet existed, but we didn't really know what to do with it. So it wasn't like easy to find information. Like it was the days of publishing that was hard to find information. And when I was a senior, it was the first year for senior projects. And I wanted to do mine on how to publish a children's book because I wanted to be a children's book author. I think I wanted to write picture books at the time. Well, yeah, I did. Cause I wrote a picture book for it, but, um, I didn't do well in the project cause I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to get published. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tried to look for the information and I didn't understand it. I didn't, Like I had like a mentor from the school, but she knew nothing about it. She was just like worked in the English department, which makes sense. Like most people, I don't think it wasn't common knowledge. It wasn't easy to find. And I didn't do all my projects. And so I gave up. I just gave up and I decided I would go into, I would go to college and I'd pursue something more practical. um, But I wasn't quite sure what that was. Um, I did write for the newspaper cause I loved writing. And so I wrote for the newspaper. I had a degree in communications and then, um, I pursued other things. I went to grad school for something else. And even when I was in grad school, my, I didn't remember this until like after Caraval sold, but my roommate was like, yeah, I always thought you were so weird. Cause you would be like writing stories when we we're supposed to be studying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I did, I would still write, but I didn't have any idea how to pursue it. And it wasn't until, after grad school, after I had this job that was so wrong for me, that I started writing a lot as like stress relief. Um, Because like, I was just like struggling. And my counselor was like, what is something you love that can help take the relief away? You know, take some stress. I love writing. And so she encouraged me to write. And what happened was, I loved it. And it was all I wanted to do. And I didn't want to tell anyone because, I, again, I was embarrassed. I hadn't succeeded when I was younger. I didn't know that I was any good at it. And I was afraid of like saying, like, I want to be published and having people be like, <laughs> yeah, and like judge me. But I wanted it. And I just kept working at it and working at it. And then eventually, like, I left my job because it was unhealthy for me. And I asked my parents if I could move in with them while I looked for another job. But then I ended up asking if I could stay to pursue the writing. And bless them, they said yes. They believed in me. When I did it, I knew nothing about how to get published. I knew nothing. This was about 10, no, yeah, 10, almost 10 years ago, I think. It was so challenging. And I mean, things got better the the longer I went at it because more people, like, thankful for all the bloggers. Like I learned so much from Nathan Bransford's blog and from the query shark when I eventually found her. And a lot of it was like reading stuff online. And then I joined the society for children's book writers and illustrators because I wanted it so bad. I was afraid of all this stuff. Like I remember I would read blogs and never comment on anything. I was terrified of it, but I always think of that whenever readers comment on my stuff. And so I try to reply. I can't always, but I do because I I remember being terrified. I remember the first time I commented on anything and it was, it was, it felt very vulnerable to me. So that's what it did. But it was just, I loved it so much when I finally got into it again. I was like, I have to pursue this. I felt like I needed to because I've always had this need to create. Even when I wasn't writing, I used to crochet like a lot. (laughs)
0: crocheting is not easy it is like a skill
1: yeah it's just like you have to create I think the muscle memory yes and then you can do it because I would like make hats in the dark sometimes they're just showing
0: off and rubbing it
1: in now I'm like okay (laughs) I I, I did it all the time because I just had to create so before I was writing it was like I would either bake all the time or crochet all the time. Okay. So you needed Um, some form of artistry to release. Okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then finally, when I started writing, it was like, I have to pursue this. Like I felt it so passionately, which I think was one of the only reasons I could keep going. amidst all the, the
0: rejections. Okay. I'm going to rewind a little bit where you said you were petrified and terrified to leave comments. And this is something I notice in the group too, for our private group, where some people are like, Hey, all, Hey group. It's so nice to meet you all. I finally built up the courage to jump in with a comment. And that always strikes a chord with me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. A warm welcome. Cause I know like even me right now, uh, I'm in some, Facebook groups too, and they're private groups for uh, entrepreneurs. It takes a lot. And there's actually something right now that I have a question that I want to ask. And so maybe me asking you this will help me build the courage. And it's a question that actually has to do with the business side of podcasting. And I was going to ask one of the business groups I'm in, but I just am frozen. I'm like, I don't know why I'm so scared to post the question that I need to ask in order to move forward. And I just... I I don't know what it is. I just, I don't know if it's a fear of judgment that uh, maybe people are like, whoa, that's such a beginner question. You know what I mean? I just, I don't, I'm like shook. And it's not even about like me and my artistry, you know, it's literally a, a question that has to do with business. And I, don't know why I cannot ask. Like I typed out this whole thing yesterday and I had to sleep on it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't even do the copy and paste because oh I'm like, maybe let me sleep on it again because uh, maybe I'll, I'll come up with a better way of phrasing the question. And it's so strange because usually I'm just so outgoing in, in posts and this is coming from someone who's pretty outgoing. So even for me, I suddenly froze. So if there's anything that you can like break me open with, I know you said of took a lot of courage, but I just can't seem to find that courage right now.
1: Oh man. I, you know what, as you were talking, I can feel that tightness in like my chest and stomach. Right now, see? Like, Girl, can... I'm
0: transferring it over. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I,
1: no, no, but I, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't you transferring. I could feel it. Cause I can remember. Um, and then I, I can be pretty, like I get, I get really nervous, but I can be pretty outgoing in a lot of ways. So it was so funny with writing. I felt so out of my league. Because it's so Um, personal and so special to you. It's like a a very vulnerable spot. Yeah. And there were so many things I was just afraid of. And I do remember the first comment I left. And I remember why. And and I also, okay, I'm going to tell you an analogy after this too. Yes, please. uh, With another story. But the first comment I left was on Nathan Bransford's blog. And he was doing a contest for query critique. This was when, like, there were not many contests. For query critiques. And he was an agent at the time. And I was like, oh, I I need this. I need this so much. And so I did it because I was, I was willing to do whatever it took. Because the first book I queried, a hundred agents, no one requested. I couldn't get that query right. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any help with it. It was so hard. So that like wanting that enough made me do it. And then and then I think doing it. It was just like, okay, I didn't win, but no, nothing bad happened. True. And there's a sort of freedom that comes with it too. Yeah. It was just like, so I, I'm also terrified of heights. I am terrified of heights. I get physically ill if I'm like, you know, sometimes if I'm even like at the BART station in the Bay area and it's high, I'm like, Ooh, got to step away. And when I was younger, I worked at this camp. I read that. Is that the space themed one?
0: No, this wasn't the space themed one. Oh my god, one. I
1: wanted to ask you about that, but okay. I, totally yeah, no, I got so no. excited. I'm like, oh my god. I've worked at a couple of camps. I love camps. I love camps I, I do I love too. Working with like teenagers. And so I think oh. um this one I was I had done it before when I was like a counselor for teens at this camp, done this high ropes course. And I can't remember if this was that time or another time, but I did it again for other reasons because I was like working with teens and they wanted to do it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with them. And, um, I just started crying on the ropes, like high up in the mountains and just a physical reaction. Like I couldn't control it. My arms were shaking. My limbs were shaking. And then, you know what happened? I fell. Oh, you fell. I lost lost my footing. I fell off the tightrope. (gasps) Oh. which was my big fear. And it was the best thing ever because,
0: Oh shit. That was
1: inspiring. I was attached. I had these two cables. They know you're probably going to fall and it's okay. Cause you have these cables attached. You're safe. And, and I always think of that. Like usually when your big fear happens, it's actually the best thing. Cause you realize it's okay. And I think that's what happened with like leaving that comment. Like the first time I did it, I'd been so scared before then, imagining who knows what. I was so afraid of all these things I imagined. And then I did it. And I didn't fall. Nothing bad happened. It all broke after that. I still wasn't like, Woo, I'm gonna comment on everything. <laughs> I'm still very cautious. And even now I tend to like things on Instagram rather than like comment. I try and work on commenting on my friends' stuff. Myself, like, no, you need to comment. They're not gonna know that you think this is adorable <laughs> if you don't say it. But I think just doing it and realizing like, okay, I didn't fall. The world didn't stop. I did it. I'm a little closer to that goal. God, that was so good.
0: Stephanie, I have chills again all over my arms and on my cheeks. And I'm wearing shorts. My PJ or shorts. And it's all over my legs right now. I'm not kidding. Like After we finish our call, I'm going to go comment. I, you just gave me what I needed. So thank oh, you. So no, you don't, I'm so oh. grateful to you. And also it's crazy too. Cause I'm like, I can see how this really would oh, so help those who right now are in a very deep rut, a creative rut and are not able to move forward because they're feeling blocked. And I feel like you sharing that story where it's like, you know what, what's the worst thing that can happen? You end up, where you started, basically, what is the worst thing that can happen? You just killed two birds with one stone. You helped me. You gave me courage to want to put that comment. And now I know you're going to push people forward past that creative block that they're in right now. So holy crap, that was really good. I'm so glad. I'm so happy right now. You have no idea. Okay. Like I'm- I have the biggest, this is what I regret. There is no video. Cause I'm like, I wish you could see the smile on my face. Oh. I am so happy right now. Thank you for that. No wonder people are saying you're just such an incredible <laughs> teacher. Holy crap. Okay. Now Steph. I'm going to bring it back now with the storytelling aspect of your journey. I do remember in the very beginning, we were talking about how
1: it was kind of hard, like trying to find a community. So from there, how did you move forward? I did have one friend in my hometown who was also trying to write. She went to the Big Sur Writers Workshop. I don't. Oh, that are you sounds familiar a, with it? Uh
0: I'm not, but I love Big Sur. Any excuse that I have to drive up there just to chill out, I freaking love that location. So I'm all about this right now. But yes. Oh man. Wait, what okay, is so this amazing
1: thing? It is. It is terrifying. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of California writers do it. You know, but it's closer. But I, I've met people there that traveled across the country and. Um, so she did it and she said, you know, it's the Andrea Brown literary agency that puts it on and they do critiques. You're in like small groups, you're in two different ones with like three or four other writers and an agent usually, or sometimes like an author, they get really big name authors or some editors in, um, and you're in these critique groups. It just sounded terrifying to me, but I was also like, I need to know what I'm doing wrong. Like I knew, I knew my problem was it it wasn't like I was like oh no one's reading my manuscript and it's perfect. <laughs> it's so, I was just like I don't I need help I don't know where to mm. find help and so it terrified me. But I signed up for the workshop and then I did something really out of character for me. Whoa, tell I, me this was so out of character. They said they like had a thing about you could carpool with people. You know they had a <gasps> list of people who were going and that where gives they were me from. anxiety immediately right now. I cannot. <laughs> it's okay. You'll love this story because oddly I was just like, okay. So I reached out to this person. I'd never met. (laughs) And it was just like, Hey, and she told me this. She reminded me of this a couple years later because we're still friends. And she was like, yeah, you were like, I promise I'm not an ax murderer. Do you want to carpool? (laughs) And And she was like, yeah, I'm carpooling with this other person too. Her name was Katie and the other person she was carpooling with is also named Katie. We rode there together and we became really good friends after that. Aww. And like one of the Katies, I'm going to see her when I'm on tour, when she's, she's moved. And so I'm going to see her like when I go to Nashville in two weeks, she's one of my closest friends. She's Aww. also published, And I met them at that workshop, which was great because it was so intense. Like they just rip you to shreds there. Wow. We all got ripped. To shreds, um, and But I also learned what I was doing wrong. And it was a really incredible time because I learned things. And then I I made two friends. We ventured out together. After that, we were like, okay, we need to do more things like this. It was terrifying for all of us. We were all terrified. And then we we all signed up for SCBWI again together, which is the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And after a while, we got up our courage. I think it was like a little over a year later that we went to our first local conference. from there, like it was just baby steps, venturing out, going to these conferences. And it was better that I had friends and we did them together. And so I I started going to the conferences. We started going to book signings together when authors would come to the Bay Area. And then eventually the first year they did Pitch Wars, I applied for it and got picked by Elizabeth Briggs, who's still a good friend of mine. And that was another turning point that contest because that manuscript was the one I got my first agent with and I had gotten a ton of requests and they were all, then they all ended up in rejections and I didn't know what I was doing. Liz is just brilliant. She showed me exactly what was wrong with my book. So that, entering that contest, and it's amazing she picked me because I didn't have any social media presence. She had no idea who I was. And I later, the year after that, I became a mentor for Pitch Wars. I actually picked someone who I couldn't find on social media either though, but knowing her, like she couldn't look me up. She could, I had no Twitter. I had no blog. I had zilch. She had no idea who I was and she picked me. So it was doing those things, little steps. I mean, they were actually kind of big steps, like Big Sur. I highly recommend it, but it is also highly terrifying. If you talk to someone, if you've been to Big Sur and it's like, Oh, I've been to Big Sur. You're like, you feel like you're (laughs) kind of in a kinship with (laughs) them. So intense, right? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it was just kind of like the type of thing where it was like, I've never been so, I'm not an aggressive person, but I was aggressive in my pursuit of this because I knew I was like, I need to learn things. And I wanted to do everything I could for this. Like That way, it's like, even if I don't get published, at least I know I've done my best. At least I knew I'd put everything into it. So it was just a lot of learning. I felt like the whole process, like years of learning. And I was only working part-time. I had very, very, very small income. So I would get as many books as I could from the library. And I bought books from used bookstores. Like if I bought like a new hardcover, which is also why I'm so grateful to readers, that was a big deal to me. Like, but i I tried to get as many books as I could, like I would go and check out stacks of books from the library and just read and read and read and analyze everything I could just to learn and teach myself how to tell a story, what I loved. So it was just like endlessly working and then connecting with people. Um, And the connecting was slow. It took, it was years, but it's like, I think also it's like, I'm still friends with those people I met. Good friends, like my closest friends, most of them are people I met before I was published. And I love them. I'm so thankful to have them just as friends, (laughs) just as friends outside of publishing. Like, I'm thankful to know them because they're amazing people.
0: What an incredible story. And I honestly never heard of that Big Sur retreat. So thank you for mentioning that too, as a resource for those who are wanting to really push themselves and to learn. Um, and that makes so much sense. And I, I really admire the way your outlook is and was as well, just to know you yourself. You're like, you know what, even if it doesn't go anywhere, at least I'm learning and I'm pushing myself. Mm-hmm. I welcome the tearing to shreds kind of situation, <laughs> which is, it's true. Like you have to go through that to really make a lot of improvements improvement and progress with yourself so that's the thing from there you mentioned that that was the story that you had with the first agent right that you were working on mm-hmm. the one they okay so then that is that something that you put aside because caravel ended up being your debut so yeah so the other one you put down and you put aside this is something i notice also in the group when people are just talking and i just kind of jump in just to kind of read where they're at right now Maybe you have thoughts on it. Like, how do you know when to put your story aside? And when do you know, like, it's time to move on to the next story because you worked so hard on it. You like got ripped to shreds about it. You, you went through all of this, that, what was that competition too? like where your mentor chose you to work with you on it? Like all of that. So how do you know, okay, I've done my
1: best versus Nope, this just needs a little bit more of pushing, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it's so I think it's so tricky. I think sometimes it's like knowing, Oh gosh, it's so tricky. I'll, okay. I'll talk for this one book though. Okay, the one perfect. I got my first agent with, um, I had written that and, um, it was a space opera and it was so fun with space pirates and cannibal planets. And, uh, I just loved it. And I found this agent and she loved it too. It's hard because it's like I was so excited to find an agent. But at the same time, I had been rejected by a lot of agents. That book got a lot of requests and a lot of rejections. So by the time she picked it up, I was excited. But I also was like unsure that it would actually sell. Like I was super happy. Like, okay, I finally got in this hurdle and gotten an agent. And she was a lovely person, but she was a newer agent. And she was at a small agency. And I didn't know anything about having an agent at the time. And that some of the things like that happened weren't weren't how things should be with an agent like things there were things that um, I I told Jenny later on like oh you know is it okay that I asked this because my other agent didn't like me checking in on submissions and Jenny thought that that was very strange and I didn't know that because I'd never had another agent but we were on submission with that book for a very long time like over a year and a half and I didn't know how abnormal that was like I know some books take a long time to sell but I won't get too much into it, but I just kind of, and I knew we weren't hearing anything at all. Mm. I would get excited when we got a rejection from an editor. I, was I like, because oh. at least there's movement. Yeah. Somebody's mm. looking at it. Oh, so okay. So the whole time I just kind of knew like, I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think this is going to happen with this book. And um, she was really optimistic. And so she told me like, write the sequel. So I had started the sequel, but then I was just like, I, and I was excited about it, but then I, I got to a point and I stopped and I was like, mm, it's not working. And so I pitched another idea to her about a book I'd written before um, that was a sci-fi thriller, because I really do love sci-fi. She was like, yeah, write that. And I started writing it. I wrote about 40,000 words of it because I'd oh written the God. book before. It had been rejected, so it needed more work. And then one day I couldn't write it anymore. Like I couldn't. Like I knew what was going to happen and I just could not write another word and in the meantime, I'd had this idea for Caraval. It wasn't a fully formed idea. It was just the idea for this game. What if there's a game? And, you know, these people come to town sort of like a traveling circus, but not, not a circus. Like they tell you, you know, you're a part of something. And I didn't have the idea; all the details worked out. I just knew that you wouldn't know what was real and what was a game. Like you'd be interacting with people and you wouldn't know who was a performer and you wouldn't know who was playing the game. You wouldn't know who to trust. You wouldn't know it was real and you wouldn't know it was a lie. And I love this idea of like a game being life, kind of like the whole going back to like Disneyland and the rides coming to life. So you're participating. And so I had this idea and I, and it just kept coming back to me, but I didn't have a plot. I just had this very lucid game idea or I don't think lucid's the right word. I can't think of the right word anyhow. Um, and so I, I just kept coming back to that and was thinking about that and I started I started just writing letters from my main character Scarlett because I also liked the idea of writing about a character. I had think I had seen an agent tweet like something along the lines of, I want a book about a character who's not a chosen one, but who wants to be the chosen one, who like goes after it. So mm. I was like, I love that idea. So I started writing these letters from Scarlet to the person in charge of the game, wanting it so bad. And then piece by piece, the book just came to being. It was interesting because it's like, I was still on submission with the other book and it wasn't selling. And this was, you know, that was the fifth book I'd written. It wasn't selling. And this is when my, my parents were starting to get a little like, and I was teaching, I was teaching at a college. I was teaching creative writing. Um, but my parents and my friends and, and my, they, like a lot of people were just kind of like, um, side-eyeing with the like, <laughs> maybe it's time <laughs> to give up. Like this book hasn't oh, sold. No. I know, but it was like, it was so funny because I had felt like with Caraval, this was the idea that I couldn't let go of. I was obsessed oh, with it Oh, okay. and more and more pieces started falling into place until I had to write it. Mm. And so I still had the agent, still in submission and I just had piece by piece. Like I figured out it was about sisters and then I came up with the idea for Legend because I'd always wanted to read about a character named Legend. And so I was Ooh. like, oh, what if he's in charge of the game and so i i had so many ideas and they started to form a more cohesive story until suddenly i had to write this book and it was like i had to write it i wrote it really fast in like 3 months wow mm-hmm. and i finished it yeah it was too fast yeah i finished it in 3 months after like i finally got the pieces together i had had it in my mind for like over a year though but i finally like once i sat down to write finished it in 3 months and then a week later my agent left the business mhm uh huh Oh man. And it was so, it was such an interesting and challenging time because I had finished it on the last day of the year. A week later, my agent left. And then my family, like I remember my brother was, just started sending me things to apply for other jobs. And I was adjunct teaching, which makes like, you don't make any money. Okay. Adjuncts are severely underpaid. and But I loved the job. I was really, really thankful for it. But it was the kind of job where it's like, my parents are like, Steph, you need to apply for another full-time job. And I was like, well, okay. I'm, I'm adjunct teaching right now. And I was commuting. It was like over an hour away for this teaching position. Oh, and wow. so I was like, you know, I have this semester I'm doing the teaching for the semester. I'm like, just give me the time to finish up this book because I'd finished it, but obviously it needed to be revised. And so I was like, and then if it doesn't happen, I, I'm, I, I will let it go. I will let it go. And I, and I put everything into it. And so for that I was super fast. I was super fast with it. But I also, I hired a freelance editor to look at the first 50 pages. I had my friends all read it. I critiqued my query like a hundred times until I was like, oh my gosh, you tell me what's wrong with this one more time. I'm going to smack you. Not really. I was really thankful for my friends though, but I listened. I just, I pushed myself until I had nothing left to get for this book. I also knew, okay, like it's either going to happen or it's not. So I, I feel like I veered off course a little
0: from it. No, this is very helpful because when you know, you know. It just it kind of yeah. reminds me of relationships.
1: When you know, you know. Yeah. And I'm just gonna say, I felt so strongly about this book and a lot of people told me not to write it. Um really and I- yeah, because it was still <gasps> at the time where like YA was very trendy, and once a trend died, they'd stop it, you know? Yeah. You know how it used to be like paranormal, and then yes. the trend died, no paranormal. Um, and then it was, what was it, dystopian, trend died, no more dystopian. And people were saying that was going to happen with fantasy. But, like a lot of people have bought big fantasies, you shouldn't write a fantasy. And people are like, oh, there's too many circus books out there. I even had a critique from an editor who was like, this is, you're going to have a really hard time selling this book. But I, I felt really strongly about it. I just loved it. And I was like, I want to write this. Like, this is the story I want to read. And I just hoped that other people would feel the same way. It wasn't. So I was doing the opposite of writing for trends. I was writing the story that I felt like I, I wanted to tell and that I wanted to read and that I wanted to live inside of. Oh my God, that was so good. See, that is,
0: it's so funny because earlier when I asked, like, how'd you know when the story wasn't working, your other book, right? Before Mm -hmm. Caravelle. This is another example of how do you know? when you should keep pushing when everybody else is telling you no and to just let it go. So yeah. basically what I'm getting from it is if you're that much in love with it and you're waking up every day excited to work on this and you can't mm-hmm. stop thinking about it, dreaming about it, even in the shower, then you know this is a one that you can't let go of. Yeah.
1: And I think it's got to be because you love it, not because you think it will sell. Exactly. And I think that's the difference. I think it's really easy to like get get an idea that that seems like it's catchy or hooky yeah. and be like, but this one will sell, this one will sell. But it's like, if it's a book that it's like, no, I have to pursue this because I love it and I can't yeah. not pursue it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and
0: like, you have to answer questions for yourself for that book, mm-hmm. then yeah. no. Okay. Stephanie, again, you wise sage. Thank you so much for that. That was so good. Aww. Very, very, very refreshing. And I'm just so grateful that we have had this conversation. I have more questions. I know Legend's coming out. We mentioned that earlier. And I just want to jump in that and I, I loved that you were able to show us Caravel a little bit just now and also how you fell in love with telling that story, how that came about. Could you also go into Legend and what our community can expect from it or just a snapshot of whatever you're willing to share?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, yay. Thanks for asking about that. So Yay. um yeah, legendary comes out tomorrow,
0: which Oh my god, sorry. I kept saying legend. Legendary, no, duh. It's legendary. Sorry. Okay. A lot of people have done it. It's totally No, I feel fine. awful. Cause I'm like, I have it written up at the top too. It's like Caravel, it came out January 31st, 2017, and Legendary, May 29, 2018. No. So
1: I don't know why I kept saying legend. I'm sorry. Oh god. No, don't be. It's probably because I was talking about legend. Oh, oh uh, no, 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 it's me. No. Okay. So gosh. Okay. So what can I say about it? Um, you know, it was really funny when Caraval sold, my editor wanted a sequel. And of course I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I probably, I would have said yes to whatever Sue wanted. And I hadn't really thought that much about it other than knowing, like, I wanted it to be a search for legend's identity. Mm, um, okay. because you don't know who he is. It, I don't think it's spoiled by knowing the first book for anyone who hasn't read it you don't find out who legend is. No one knows who he is. You know, he knows everything that's going on. And so the second book, I knew I wanted it to be around that. And I also kind of just intrinsically knew I wanted it to be from a different perspective. So the first book is from Scarlett's perspective. She's Mm -hmm. the older sister. I will admit this freely. She's a lot like me, likes to follow rules, can be very (laughs) overprotective of her younger sister, (laughs) and tends to be fearful. And um, she's afraid of a lot of things. Whereas Tella is her younger sister. And she was at first a challenge for me to write because it took me a while to get in her head because I'm so not like Tella. But Tella, the way I wrote her, Tella is kind of the girl I always wished I was like. And it's not that she's fearless because I don't like the idea of fearless characters. I'm like, that doesn't seem very fun or relatable. Like, if they're not afraid of anything, what matters? But she has fears, but she doesn't let them stop her. And she doesn't feel. Shame about her mistakes. It's like she looks at things and is like, okay, I'm going to do better next time. Like, I'm going to keep going. Like, she has this self confidence. Um, but she also, beneath it all, there's vulnerability. I just love writing this character who knows what she wants and goes after it and doesn't let fear stop her. And she's bold and she's adventurous and she's fun. She's just so passionate about so many things. So, I love Tella. I love Tela so much, and I'm so excited for readers to get to know her. She's flawed. she's totally flawed. but I just think I think she's fantastic because I think she was always the girl I wanted to be, but I think I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid of making mistakes. I still am afraid of making mistakes. And so I wanted to write a character, you know that like wouldn't judge herself so that hopefully others would see it's okay not to judge themselves either. Someone that people can relate to, especially girls when i was writing a lot of this i was just thinking because of just so much going on in the world just thinking about our value as girls and the labels mm-hmm. people put on us mm-hmm. labels and judgment and trying to do away with that and yes i don't know. so thinking i was thinking a lot about that as okay I'll okay i should probably say what i was honestly thinking i just don't like to say it sometimes because sure. okay i just i just don't like this word but it was really in my mind a lot as i wrote this book okay Caraval debut novel. When the cover got revealed and the first two chapters got revealed on Entertainment Weekly, I was so excited. I did that thing that you're not supposed to do as an author. And I searched the title on Twitter to see what people were saying about it, <laughs> which is made up work. <laughs> and one of the things I remember people saying, the opening chapter, Scarlett finds her sister Tella and she's making out with a boy. They're like kissing. And someone says something about Oh, great. We have another story about the older, uptight sister and her younger slut sister. What?
0: Excuse me? Yes. Are you I serious? Yes. But If it's an, on her own terms, suddenly she's a slut. Who
1: Was it a male that wrote that? It was, I'm pretty sure it was a male. And I don't. And the wording Fucking might asshole. be a little
2: different, oh but God. I know
1: they use the word slut, which I hate that word. Wow. So much. And so me too. I do kind of. Yeah, I hate it. It makes me so mad. It makes me so mad anyone's called that for any reason. I just felt for girls. Like yes. I mean, I've been called that name. And so I was thinking that as I wrote this book, wanting to like embrace Tela and Im- rid that word and I don't know. That was in my mind a lot. Writing it with a vengeance. I love that. Do not take away her power (laughs) by calling her this. Do not label her this. I'm not labeling her this. There's nothing wrong that she's doing Mm -hmm. and give her ownership. Yeah. And so I was thinking a lot about that as I wrote, just like, I I just kind of wanted to write it with a vengeance. Like hell is awesome. Girls are awesome. Like, please don't judge her or other girls. Like,
0: yeah. I, for me, I'm like, girl, you do you. You know what I mean? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Listen, this, this is your narrative. Like whatever makes you feel good and powerful, nobody else's responsibility to put any judgment on you. I'm still thinking about that comment that pisses me off right? so much. I'm so grateful that you stood up for Tella this way and like wrote it with a vengeance.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. See, that's why I didn't want to say. Cause I was like, I don't even like to use that word. No, no.
0: I think this is important. And I think this is also really inspiring and very eye-opening viewpoint for listeners to have to see. That's a powerful way of you coming back and voicing how you feel and you're doing it with your work. I mean, that person, all they're doing is commenting and trolling left and right. And yeah. you know what I mean? You are out there making moves and writing freaking books and getting them published. Like what the hell is that person doing? Just hiding behind a screen. So yeah. FM, ugh. anyway, sorry, don't get
1: me started, please. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's <sighs> like, I, so I love Tella. I love her. I'm excited for people to meet her. And there's also a villain I love in the book that I'm really, really excited about. Like, I love this villain. And I don't want to say anything spoilery. because There's like so much spoilery, but I love this book and this villain. And I also like to say this, the book is all about the kissing, which if you've read it, you will understand.
0: (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. I think that girls reading the books too, will see like, Hey, it's something not to be ashamed of. You can enjoy it on your terms. Like what is wrong with that? There's so much of that conversation happening right now. And I think especially because these are going to be in the hands of young girls, they need to understand there is nothing wrong with you enjoying kissing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that is something that is your right. Why is it only boys that
1: can enjoy and take from people? You know, no. well, and just as someone who's worked with younger people a lot, like just having so many conversations where girls will right, feel. because you've worked at camps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you don't have to feel shame. No, he doesn't have to be your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let anybody put any of these judgments on you. It is okay. Yes, agreed.
0: That is a conversation because I'm an older sister of three. There's three daughters in our family, three girls. Okay. So my younger sisters, when they were going through high school and college, one thing I regretted when I was younger was that For me, like I would have liked to have dated more. Uh, I was so focused on work. So for me, as an older sister, just from my own experiences, I told my sisters, listen, just because you kiss somebody doesn't mean that you have to lock it in, all right? Because for Mm -hmm. us growing up, all our examples were the women in our families. And guess what? The women in our families, they ended up marrying the first person that they Ah. were with. But it's not the best thing, you know what I mean? Because then at the end of the day, like they didn't get to really grow. You know, I'm not like talking shit about my family. It's more so it's a different culture and a different Mm -hmm. time right now. We're at a different time where it's like, it's okay. Also, if you get in a relationship with a boy, it's okay to break it off. It's okay. And even if they're good guys, but you know, you guys are just not meant to be with each other. There is nothing wrong with that. I don't know what it is. Like, especially from my family. I don't know. Like, It used to be, well, now they've changed a lot because now they're like really like, okay, okay, I understand the Americanized thinking. But back then they're like, what? But that guy treated you so well. Like, how could he do that? Like, no, like you have to let the girls realize, hey, so what? Even if the, let's just example, the guy is a sweet guy. He's so kind, but you know what? If he bores the F out of you or if he's not motivated enough in life what you still have to stay with him and, and tolerate that. Like if that's not your personality to tolerate, why do you have to do that? That's just an example. You know, uh, women yeah, taking exactly. ownership and saying it's okay. It's not working for me and I'm going
1: to move on and I wish him well. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I also think you make such a good point. And that's something like I hadn't thought about too much. Cause it's like, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on like, which for very good reason on ending bad relationships. But I also think like like, it's, you know, just like what you were saying, like, yes. just because someone's a good guy yeah, they treat Doesn't you right, he's if the not, one for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. You know, you're not a bad
0: person for ending it. Like Exactly. Why hold on thinking, oh gosh, like, again, this is from my family's old school thinking before they changed. It's as if they were so afraid that the girls couldn't go off and find another nice guy. And I'm like, you know, that's almost insulting to both guys and girls. It's almost as if saying there's not enough nice guys. There are plenty of nice guys out there that are more fit for you. You know what I mean? That have the same type of level of motivation as you, or maybe is more patient Than the other nice guy you know like i it's almost a slap in the face to both men and women number two it's almost as if saying your daughters are incapable of finding and keeping a man too yeah i'm glad we did touch on this i think it is something important to talk about especially because a lot of our community they are mostly women so i'm glad that we're speaking about this so thank you for diving in with me but yes, I'm glad that you were able to tell tell a story. I love how tell tell a story. So, well, her name is actually Donatella. So, yeah. I'm glad that you're able to tell her story in that way and you're giving her ownership. I want to know also how did you feel about legendary? Did you feel pressure? writing part two, did you feel any kind of stress when you're writing this? Cause now like, you know, you have an audience now, you know, you have a community that's built around Caravelle and knowing that, you know, there's something coming for part two.
2: How,
1: how was that when you were writing it or did it not affect you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I like to compare it to Frodo's trek to Mordor where it just felt totally impossible. It was, and painful and hard. It was really hard. It was, it was really hard. There were so many tears. I sent a draft to my editor that was just like fueled by the blood, sweat and tears of <laughs> Stephanie Garber because I just had such a hard time. It was completely different than writing how I'd written in the past. Like I'd always been a pantser and I tried doing it with this book and it didn't work. I rewrote it like almost entirely, like at least, at least six times. Um oh the The first draft does not resemble the book that is out now. Um, the, and then once even I got a handle on it, I rewrote the ending like seven times. Wow! It took me a while to find the right story. It was hard. It was really hard, and I felt like I was learning how to write all over again. And I was terrified. I was terrified of like letting readers down, and letting my publisher down, and my agent down, and just afraid of like. I was just really terrified and um, it was the first time writing under a deadline, which was funny because I'd always written fast before. But this book, I think because for me, what I learned, this is what I learned going back to what we talked about, how you know when you should write. When Caraval sold, I had been asked, okay, what's she going to write next with the sequel? So I wrote up a quick pitch. I'd sent a pitch to my agent for like a possible sequel and she's like, "Mm, no, this needs work. And so we spent a day working on this pitch that ended up being, I think, two paragraphs. And it was me writing it until it sounded good enough for my agent. It was not me searching for a book that I felt I had to write. So I think the first draft was me trying to write this book that I felt like made sense logically as a story. You know, It's like, okay, this has the right pieces of a story. It has the middle, the beginning, the end, the darkest moment. My character has this particular arc. It was like hate by normal storytelling. And it wasn't right. So with each draft, I, it took me a while to like hunt for that story until finally it was like, <gasps> okay, here we go. The, this, this is the story I have to tell. And it took me a while to like find that inspiration and find that desire and find like the parts of tell a story that I felt so passionately about (laughs) because I don't think they, you know, me even writing with a vengeance, like, oh, this is the kind of girl that I want to write for. This is what I want to write. I want this. Like it wasn't there initially. It was just more paint by numbers. So I think until I found that it was just really hard because I was trying to force something. But then once I found the right story and found like the right people like to come alongside me and help me too, outside from like my agent and my editor. Cause you always need multiple readers. I really struggled. And then um, once I found the right story, like it got a lot easier and the revising got easier and I just got excited about it. But I think for a long time, I almost feel like that first book I wrote that was entirely scrapped was almost like writing another book that didn't sell, <laughs> even though it had sold because it was like, okay, we're scrapping this whole thing. Like I wrote a book. I spent like almost a year writing this book turned into my editor was scrapped the whole thing. And I, and I think I could have revised it, but I was just like, Nope, like her feelings for it weren't lukewarm is that overstatement. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to revise this just cause I've written it. Like I'd rather write something entirely new and do it right. Like I, I didn't want, I didn't want to disappoint readers. So, um, it was a really painful process. It was really hard. But I think I I just persevered, and I think that was another thing I learned from all the years of being rejected was just like okay, I can do better. I'm gonna keep going. I'm not I'm not gonna give up. Like I can do this. I knew I could do it. It's like I sold that book. I sold Caraval. So if I could write a book and get an agent and sell it. I can write another book. Like do a good job, and I don't need to like give up. So I I really pushed myself. Um, it was but it was really. It was hard. I struggled a lot. I had a lot of days where I felt like I couldn't write. I lost like all my faith in myself. Um, I, I considered giving the money back, moving back in with my parents, getting a master's in library science. Like I really, it, it, like as my, my close friends know, it was very, it was a really hard year. Um, it, was, it was so painful writing it, but on the good news, the good news is like once it was done, it's just been so much fun and there hasn't been nearly the pressure of the debut because um i have so many amazing readers like and so once it was done like i felt i felt i felt pretty great just because it's like my readers have been so wonderful and so excited and it's like i haven't had to find them like they're there and so responsive and it's just it's taken that pressure off so like it was hard to write but just since then it's been exciting I've been excited I mean of course I'm I still get nervous like I have moments like where I totally freak out and I'm like oh my gosh nobody's come to <laughs> come to my lunch like everyone's gonna cancel their order last minute like oh. I don't know what's gonna happen like I have moments of freaking out but for the most part once it's been done it's just been um it's just been amazing and I've been really thankful <sighs>
0: Oh my God, I'm telling you, this whole episode is just an inspiration bomb. It's just oh. so incredible. All right, let me squeeze in where you did mention there were those moments where you really start thinking, oh God, what if what if people don't show up at the tour? What if they cancel their order? How do you talk yourself out of that kind of mindset for those who do struggle with that? There's a lot of our listeners who actually have anxiety and I know because I, I deal with a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, and how do do you have any suggestions on like, you know, whether it's like mantras or like even like meditation apps or just like things that are, that you might feel might be, be uh, actionable for our listeners to talk themselves out of that mindset. Cause I, I for me, I have this app called breathe. I mm-hmm. love it. I, I use it sometimes I haven't gone on it for a while, but that plus um, mornings with yoga or stretches, very relaxing, even something as simple as pouring myself fresh green tea, like good quality green tea or matcha really starts off my day really nicely where I, I notice I'm just like on a much more positive flow throughout the day or even like vitamin B. Yeah.
1: All these like little things, but they do help. You know, they do help. They, they oh my gosh, they do. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a great question. I get a lot of anxiety. Like I really do. It, it affects me physically. I, I get sick quite frequently from, it. I, I, it's myself, real. It's a real thing. Yeah, like seriously. Yeah, I think myself like sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's a great question. One thing I do, I mean, and this is easy for me cause I like it. I am really, um, I like to be physically active. I go to the gym like almost every day. Um, Oh, yes. Yes. And I make that time, especially like the last couple months, like I've been doing things just so tight. But I make the time every day to go to the gym. I usually go for about an hour because for me, I like got to work it all out. (laughs) I even heard an ad for this, which I thought was so great. It's like, you know, exercise is the best antidepressant. Mm -hmm. And I think it really helps me. But I also I pray for me. And I know that's something that I know not everyone believes in prayer and God, but it's,
0: it's, it's something where it helps you where, you know, you are not the only one. There's some, some someone, something that's higher than you.
1: Yeah. So I start my day like that every day I pray. And um, when I really struggle, like actually when I really struggle, sometimes I don't because I'm like really having a hard time and I'll call my mom and she'll be like, let's pray. Mm. Um, And I also, but I do, I I'll take, like, natural remedies. I have de-stressing tea. Ooh. Um, I like, yeah, it's, like, lavender. I don't know. I got it at Whole Foods. But oh, I yum. like the teas. I like the teas for yes. stress and stomach and different things. Um, I also know, like, for me, since I work by myself, I live by myself, I write – um, I don't teach anymore because I just don't have the time. So like find like making sure I have plans with other people, like outside of writing and yeah. uh, just making certain plans. Like I know I need to do things. But like, um, those are those are the big things and also sometimes like just reading outside of like I love reading. I I love reading. That's <laughs> I read. I love reading. But a lot of times it's like I'll read things out of YA. But also the other thing, and I'll say this, it goes back to like the biggest fear happening. Um, so I had this big fear you know, it's really bad for first weeks of sales when books get shipped early. And I was afraid like all my books would ship early. And in the UK, they did. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what happens got, then? Well, I don't know what happens, but you know what? I got, I was so stressed because it was my biggest fear. I'd even been telling like my U.S. publicist when we were talking about like my tour and like all the stops and I was like yeah I've just been freaking out I'm like afraid all the books will ship early and they didn't for the U.S. although quite a few did but you know what happened um I was stressed because I'm like I don't know what that means for my sales for the first week it's not going to be so good but you know what readers were so excited oh they were so excited that I was like you know what? I'm thrilled, like I'm so happy, like oh, okay, good. Knowing, like even when the worst thing happens, like when, that burden is gone. yes, that freedom again. yeah, it didn't stop. nothing in fact, if anything like it made people more excited, like there's a good thing that comes out of it, and usually like, I don't know. so I think I think there is like a relief that comes when like the fears happen, and yes. I don't. I don't, I do get so much anxiety and, but, oh, this is the other thing. This is the other thing. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh. You're like filled with knowledge bombs. I'm just like
0: all about, I'm like, please drown me in it.
1: This is the other thing that I think has really helped me over the years. Like, okay, I get, I get, um, I'm not as bad anymore. Like, especially since I've had to start traveling for writing, I used to get a lot like travel anxiety so bad. Like I was kind of person, if I was going to go on a trip, sometimes I would want to get sick. So I I could cancel it. Like I would get so, so nervous. Um, just like even going back to like Big Sur and stuff, how nervous I would be. But what I tell myself now is, and it, it also helps me because then I'm thinking about other people and I'm not thinking about me, like I find the more I think about other people, like if I'm anxious, like if I can think about what can I do for someone else, like then I'm not thinking about me. Like the more I'm thinking about other people, the less anxious I feel cause I'm not caught up in myself. But going places, like I get a lot of anxiety about going places. I'm always like, oh my gosh, no one's going to want to talk to me. Blah, blah, blah Like all those fears that I would imagine other people have. Because then I tell myself like, wait, I bet other people are feeling that way too. So rather than thinking like, oh my gosh, no one's going to talk to me. It's like, I'm going to go be that person who's going to talk to them. Oh I'm oh my God, you're so kind. i myself like, my feelings aren't just mine. I bet other people feel like this and not being afraid. Like, but that's, that gives me courage to like reach out to other people being like, I bet they feel nervous too. And so like, you know, like rather than being like, oh my gosh, are they going to reject me? Like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm rejecting them. Like I went to a, I went to a, um, a book festival a while back in the first night. I hardly talked to anyone. And I, and then I felt bad about it the next day. Cause I was like, I was so nervous that I didn't talk to anyone aside from the few people I knew. And I was like, I probably came off as like a stuck up jerk. Like I came up as that person I was afraid of because it's like I wasn't talking to anybody else. So rather than being like, oh, my gosh, no one's going to talk to me, I need to make more of an effort. And I did the next day and I felt so much better. But just like rather than thinking like, oh, no one wants to talk to me. It's like, no, maybe other people are scared, too. Oh, my <laughs> and gosh. So that, that helps me just reminding myself like, yeah, I, I bet. Other people feel that. That was
0: so freaking good. I also want to interject and say that you are like a living angel. I just need to put that out there. You... Radiate kindness, and you're just Uh so thoughtful about other people. And that's really cool. I just have to say that's not many people are like that. And you should know this, and I should say it publicly and just state it out Uh there for the (laughs) listeners to hear. But my Uh gosh, you're really truly so inspiring in so many ways, not just like the advice that you've been giving us for like writing, but all in the journey, but also just like how to be a good human being, like a good, decent human being. And that's another reason why I'm so grateful that you shared that as well is because a lot of our listeners are very shy like painfully shy but they know they need to for their writing and for their work yeah they really try their best to put themselves out there to form a community of face-to-face kind of relationship and dynamic with Mm -hmm. other fellow storytellers but a lot of times the fear holds them back and anxiety holds them back or is a sort of block at that moment, at that temporary moment. Mm-hmm. So for you to mention this really will give them that strength to move forward and just to realize, okay, you know, I'm not the only one that feels like this. Yeah. It's nice for them to know that people that they admire go through the same exact things. That they're just as human as they are, and yeah. they're not alone in this. So really, yeah. seriously, I appreciate that, and that was oh, so freaking helpful. Now, Stephanie, I would love to jump into listener questions, but before okay, I do, yeah. can can I squeeze in one more thing that you mentioned earlier, when you're talking about Carival, you said that you had so many people giving you feedback and you wanted to like get it as perfect as possible and that you hired a freelance editor. And that's something that stuck in with my head. Cause again, something is someone brought up something in the group where they were talking about like, I don't know where to go from here. Is that, uh, did you find them through websites? Is it like Upwork or do you find, was there a specific resource where you found a freelance editor that you knew you could trust? their guidance? Because it's your baby. This project is your baby. So how do you know who's that person that you can tap on their shoulder and be like, Hey, I trust
1: you. Can you help me edit this? Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah. Um, well, and the reason I wanted to do it with Caraval, like my critique partners had given me good feedback, but Caraval, let's, if you've read Caraval, we can all be honest about this. I love my opening chapter. I'm a big fan of it it's chapter one, but it's really like a prologue. Like it takes place, you know, it starts with my main character being young. She's like, I forget how old she is, maybe like 11 and, or younger, I don't know, but young, you know, it's all kind of before the story starts and A lot of us know that agents don't like prologues. And then Mm. a couple chapters later, I have a big dream (laughs) full of backstory. But I loved these pieces. I loved these letters. I loved this dream. And so my whole thing was I was like, okay, I feel like I'm kind of breaking the rules. But so I want to make sure I'm doing it right. Like I'm not going to take these things out of the story
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I want to make sure I'm doing it right. And so I had talked to my critique partner, Stacey Lee, who's the best. And if you haven't read her books, you guys all should be like really good.
0: Wait, which books did she write? She wrote Out on the Moon. <gasps> oh yes. Under the Sky. Oh my, um, yes. She's so sweet. <gasps> she was the brain behind this book. Panel highlighting seven Asian American authors in New York City for the New York Public Library, Mm -hmm. and so she had her team reach out to me to moderate the panel. So yes, I know Stacy through that. Oh my God, what a small world! I didn't realize
1: you were the moderator for that. So
0: crazy! I'm like, what? How did this? Oh my God, such a small world, and I did not see that coming. And I love that. Oh my God, that was so cool. Stacy is my best friend. She's so sweet. I like Stacy a lot, and you can tell she's like a. Badass woman. I was like, ooh, that's sexy. Oh my gosh. Like you can see her coming in that room and she like knows what she's doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's yes. so cool. And wasn't she a lawyer before? She was. Yeah, see, she was. I'm like, she, oh my God. I'm all about those powerful women. I'm like, oh my god, that is
1: so awesome. I love that she's her bestie. Yeah. Stacy is the best. Yeah. I will always sing Stacy's praises forever. She's amazing. So her book wasn't out at the time, but her book was sold. She had an agent and she told me, so her agent's Kristen Nelson. And she told me about someone who was, had been like Kristen's assistant for years that was starting to freelance edit. Her name's Anita Mum. And, um, she's like, you know, she worked with, she worked with, um, Kristen. She has a really good eye for things. Like she'd be a good person to like run your opening by to like see if it's going to have, you know, if it's going to be a roadblock for agents. And so Stacy had highly recommended Anita and Anita could read within like the time frame. And, um, like I, she was really affordable for me. Um, so I could do it and I liked her. So I took her off of Stacy's recommendation. Um, but I would really recommend getting the recommendation from okay, someone you so really, referrals. really trust. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just hire someone random. Like I would only hire someone if it's from someone I really absolutely trust.
0: Okay. Word of Uh, mouth. Okay.
1: Yeah. Like direct word of mouth, like someone who's worked with this person. Um, and so like, I, I feel like I'm very cautious about that. Like, even though like I have hired people, um, and I've had good experiences with it, I, I would only do it like direct word of mouth.
0: Oh, that's really helpful. Okay, so let me jump in we have Vanessa Andrews, the first one who commented and she wrote I am so and then she inserted that um, the clap, the hand clap emoji. She said I am so hand clap, jazz and another hand clap, right? Another hand clap now. I thought that was the cutest way of emphasizing how happy she is that you're on the show. Um, she said "Caravel is an amazing book and Stephanie is such a positive person on her Instagram stories which are always inspirational for writing and a reminder for me at least to not be crabby so excited for legendary does stephanie have some insights she could share about her skeleton draft and that drafting process how much character building detail is put into the draft at that stage i know we we actually touched on parts of this throughout our conversation but if there's anything else you want to add would be so
1: appreciated okay this is such a great question and i So a while ago I had posted this picture on Instagram. I love this question and the clappy emojis. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I get this question. I've gotten this question ever since posting a picture of one of my skeleton drafts, which was like just very basic. And it was like, and then she like, she knows it's a bad idea, but she goes to see the bad guy, but then the love interest is injured. And it's like a line by line, very, very telly, very basic. Um, and, And I was showing people that's how I draft. And um so what I'll do for that is if I so for the book I'm writing now, finale, which is the third book in the Caraval series, um, after how difficult legendary was, I knew I needed to plot this book out. And but I never liked the idea of plotting. I felt like plotting took all the fun out. I was like I don't want to that happens. I don't want to know what happens. So it was really hard, but I found a method to plotting that works. And this gets back to the skeleton drafting. Cause it's like the skeleton drafting is kind of the middle piece of it. So, um, first I plot it out. And the way I plotted this book was I thought of all the things that I wanted to happen or that could happen. I'll start with all the things that could happen. Like thinking of like the promises I've made readers, like, you know, care, whether it's characters, we I want them to meet, or characters I need to bring in, or characters with, let's say, powers that we need to see them use. Because it's like, you know, you don't put a gun in a drawer unless you're going to use the gun sometime. So, thinking about, like, I wrote out all the promises I'd made, and then I wrote out all the fun things that could happen as a result. So, then I went from there thinking, like, what are all the things I want to see? What are scenes that I want to play out? So, it wasn't so much plotting in a way that I knew, like, exactly play by play what would happen, but big general things like, this character is going to do this to this person. And it got me excited because then it's like, oh, and then I can see how they really act. And so it was like still leaving enough freedom and wiggle room that it was like, okay, I'll be surprised as I write, but I know exactly where I'm going. So first I had this big outline knowing like where I'm going, like what my characters are going to do, what their overall goals are, what the stakes are, what their character arcs are. So how they change throughout the story. So I had those big pieces all mapped out. And then, um, and then what I did is, like, I put index cards on a board. If you've seen my Instagram, you've also seen the index cards on a board, <laughs> <laughs> color-coded by my characters so I know each oh one. Oh, my God, I active. love that. Yeah, I'm, like, obsessive. <laughs> and so then from there, I would, once with each index card, I turned it into a scene. But each scene rather than like I found because I used to be like such a perfectionist, I would try to write each scene perfectly line by line, which is such a waste of time because then you can get to the end and realize like, oh, wait, I wrote this wrong. And then you have to cut back all these words you beautifully crafted. So instead, I write it really loose, totally telly, you know, like show her react, not even telly. It's more just like what I need to do. So like a lot of times it's like insert description here, show her react, they touch each other, like, you know, bad guy enters or whatever. Or like, she feels uncomfortable. And then I flush it out. So I write my skeleton draft. And then with the next level, I will like usually flush it out with dialogue. And then I'll go from there. So it's like I'll add dialogue. And then I might add in the setting. But sometimes I, I kind of will wait on the setting if I don't have like a clear picture of it because I want to make it interesting. Um, and then I'll just add in layer by layer, kind of like getting dressed, you know, like you don't, you don't put on your accessories first. Mm. And unless I you love wanna, that. Right? It's I like love that. It's you put that. on the accessories afterwards and, you know, a lot of time, I mean, I put on the makeup afterwards too, like, or at least after I've picked up, you know, like after I've picked up my clothes so I know what I'm going for. So it's like you get those big pieces on and then you accessorize it with the details. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time on those details initially, because it's like, I want to give myself the freedom to go back and erase an entire chapter. If I get later into the book and I realize like, Oh no, I need to do this. So it's like writing it skeletally and then revising it enough and then moving forward. So that way it's like, I'm not too attached, but I I know what the big pieces are. And then I can write the whole book, like kind of skeletally and then go back and see what's working and what's not before I flesh things out.
0: My cheeks hurt because I couldn't stop smiling the entire time you were answering this question. You have no idea. I'm like,
1: girl is giving us gold mines left and right. So thank you. Oh, good. I'm so glad the question was asked because I have been asked that on Instagram and I feel bad because it's like I can't really respond in my Instagram comments.
0: I like, know, it's kind of
1: hard to respond. It's like, what is it, 15 seconds
0: at a time or something? And also the comment section is not, It's kind of awkward just writing it out. It's just easier just to say it and spew it out yeah. via words. Oh my God. Seriously. That was so good. Okay. Now Hi. on to the next question. We have Maritza Mulit. She says, I can't wait for this one. Exclamation mark. I'd love to get Stephanie's insight on how it was writing Caravel for herself and first getting to know and explore her characters and their world alone and how it feels continuing their story with a loyal fan base with opinions and expectations of their own. Is it exciting to share the friends you've made in your head or scary that you have readers watching and waiting or, a little bit of both. So I know we've covered this. We actually naturally cover this in conversation, mm-hmm. but anything else, if there's anything specifically the way she phrased her question that pulls anything from you, feel free to jump in.
1: I'm really curious to see how readers respond oh, <laughs> to legendary. Yes. I'm like super curious. Um, cause one of the things I do is I write, like I said, I like to be surprised. And, um, so for everyone who's read Caraval and even anyone who hasn't, who might read it later on, I won't do this in a spoilery way, but Scarlett's love interest in Caravel was not planned. I just felt these characters had such good chemistry. Like originally, I was going to kill this character off around page 50. Like, I was like, ooh, that'd be a good <laughs> surprise. Like, let's just knock him off. Like, I created him in order to kill him. But then I just kind of liked him. I just you loved had like him a too much. You couldn't let him go. Yeah. And they just had such good chemistry. So I was like, all right, oh. I'm just throwing him in scenes. And then I threw another love interest in. Oh or another character and thinking this could be a potential love interest to see like how she responded. Cause it's like, I want to give my characters real choices. I like to give them choices. I want to put people in their way and see how they respond. And sometimes they respond how I want. And sometimes they don't like, sometimes I'm surprised. And so with Scarlett and this character, it's like, okay. Um, the first love interest, I was like, all right, I think I like where this is going. So I just kept going with it. And so with like Legendary, there were similar things with that. And, you know, some things that I knew had to happen, but then some things that it's like, I don't know how these characters are going to respond in these situations. Like a lot of times, like I know how my characters will change, like what the big thing they have to learn, but all their feelings, I don't know until I write certain scenes. Like, I don't know because it's too hard to map out in advance, like, all the emotional dominoes, like, usually it's, like, when I write a scene, it's, like, I know how they're reacting to that scene, and then it's, based on what happens in that scene, it's going to influence their emotions in the next scene. And so I can plot out what's going to happen, but I don't really know their emotions until I write, so I tend to be surprised. And um, I'm surprised by how my characters react. I mean, there were things in Legendary that surprised me, so I'm really curious to see how readers react. I don't read reviews. I'm. I Occasionally I do, if it's, like, someone who has said like, I love this book and I know they love it. And I know they're not going to like say horrible things that like are going to like leave me, you know, um, unable to write. Cause I feel so bad. Um, so I don't usually read you. So I do know, I do know character readers and I'm so glad love, Julian and Scarlet. Um, So, I mean, I love that. But I also know, like, this is Tella's book, so it's going to be different. And I don't know, but I'm really, I'm honestly just curious to know how they respond to particular characters. Like, that's what I'm kind of excited to read. Like, someone was tweeting me this morning about a certain character, and they were saying how they felt. And I'm like, wow, I've been so curious to know how readers will feel. Like, I'm just curious. Like, I mean, I hope people feel the same way I feel. But um, and I hope it's a good reading experience no matter what, but I do get curious just cause it's kind of like, you know, like I think for the same reason i like to go to movies with other people. Like I like to talk about it at the end. So, I mean, I hope my readers feel the same way, but I'm also just really curious to see how people respond. And I love that people respond to things so differently, um, and different things and, you know, hopefully it's generally positive, but it's, I'm yeah, pretty so sure I'm gonna- it's gonna
0: be really positive. You got me all like pumped up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to know now. Uh, this is <laughs> yeah. so cool. Um, and I just couldn't help but think. And this is just my own thoughts right now. Like when you were talking about your your curiosity about how readers are gonna take it, I'm just like, whoa. You authors are really so brave because you put so much of yourself out there. And even though these are cre- characters that you've created, it's still bits and pieces of you. You know what I mean? Like as in, even if the character is Nothing like you. It's still your time, blood, energy, sweat, probably tears, a lot of tears as well, like getting pushing through and you're putting it out there. And it's so, it's, it's like art at its purest, raw, most raw form. And you have to be so vulnerable just to put that out there. You authors are just so freaking courageous. And I really tip my hat to you for being able oh. to do that again over and over again Um, and I admire that I really admire that I I admire that about all artists but especially writers because that is like so much time that you've dedicated to creating this world and then knowing that you'll be hearing directly back from readers is I could just imagine scary but also exciting like for me I'd be like probably like pooping my pants I'd be so nervous <laughs> you know what I mean it's just nerve wracking because yeah. it's like you're putting so much of yourself you're exposing yeah. so much and it's just I just it's like can you imagine like an actor going live on Broadway and uh-huh. you just see their reactions in the audience
1: you know why are they not smiling at the, the time that I would is cracking a joke or oh my gosh yeah I oh my gosh this is segue going on a little tangent but I gave a keynote speech last summer and was that nerve-wracking or what it was it was so nerve-wracking oh and like God. it was the biggest thing I'd done and I had practiced it a lot and okay there are certain things that you know when people are gonna laugh and at first they did and then as like it went on, there was like a lot less laughter. And I was like, I'm I'm losing everyone. I'm losing everyone. And I just was like, oh my, and and I, I just kept going, of course. I'm gonna keep going and I kept going, but I just felt like bad at the end. And oh, no. then when I finished, like I hurried off the stage as fast as I could, but everybody stood up. Um and what I found what? out later was like a lot of people were crying. <gasps> Oh and my a lot of people gosh. came up to me like in tears. And that's what my sister said. I was like, I thought I'd lost everyone because my sister was a mafia She's like, no, you made them cry. Oh my and gosh. So- um, just see. thinking about those, like sometimes we think it's one thing, which I'm but, really good yes. at imagining. The yes,
0: worst yes, thing. always we always jump to the worst conclusions. <laughs> and in the end, they freaking love it. Oh my God, this is so funny. Um, yeah, that, made me think of, that made me think of that, which was like a kind of a good triumphant moment. This is I I'm, I'm gonna interject another thing to also segue a little bit. I just had to also include that my girlfriend, we had some friends visiting New York City just recently, and so my girlfriend's about to open her restaurant in mid. June or she's projecting for mid June end of June. So right now they're in the middle of construction to set up this restaurant and she was a bit nervous because these uh, they're friends but like more of friends through friends yeah. and they just kind of just dropped in without saying anything and was just like basically can I have the address cuz I want to go look. And you know this is I don't think people realize, even though that was totally well-intentioned and they were just excited about it, you know, this is my girlfriend's project that it's very close to home for her. Like she's not a writer, but in a way I still see her, it's, it's still like artistry, you know, you're designing the location and the store and shop the way you want to design it, the way you want your customers to have an experience. And also the food is the same thing. So for her, because it's not done yet, she was nervous. She got a little bit anxious and, and she deals with anxiety. And that's when I actually learned also about really more about anxiety. And then um, she was very nervous about them stopping by. And I think just a lot of thoughts running in her head about like, you know, judgments are, are these people going to make judgments? And, you know, the, the things that, you know, I was like, well, what are they going to judge you about? So she specifically pointed out specific parts. I'm like, babe, that's like. Legit, that's a part of the style, and it's so cute. Like, you're just thinking the worst right now. You're honestly just projecting from your own fears, and don't let that get to you. Uh, Okay, end of the day happened. Lo and behold, the exact things that she pointed out that she thought these people were gonna say things about ended up being the exact things that they loved. They loved, and they pointed out specifically, and were like, this is so cool. This is awesome. And they looked like they were so proud and so excited for her to open. And it just was a lesson to us both where we're like, you see, sometimes the things that we think that people are going to judge us for the worst thing or make a comment about, or that we assume that they won't like ends up being the thing that they love the most so it just shows like don't you know give give them some credit you know don't don't yeah. think the worst of because you you think the worst of some situations is indirectly thinking the worst of those people too so yeah. it was Ooh. an absolute lesson for us both where we're just <gasps> like you know because i honestly i did jump into thinking like yeah because they, they are very judgmental about certain people like what they wear and things where we got a little nervous we're like oh gosh oh my god are they gonna say this or that you know because it's very different food different different style nope it was exact things that they loved and they're like this is so freaking cool this is so awesome we can't wait to come back when it's open and you see it just was a blessing in disguise and it really was like a confidence booster for my girlfriend and for her to realize hey i'm enough my choices are enough and it doesn't and that was a conversation we had in the end too at the end of the day even if they didn't like it why should it matter why you need that's to be happy. Point. enough. <laughs> you, you should be happy enough, you know? So there yeah, we go. But yeah, that's, I just wanted to share that. just going off yeah. of like what the audience was thinking like at the end of the day, they, the moment that you thought that you lost them, they were, they were yeah. knee deep crying because they got so lost. And let's just say if it didn't turn out that way, then so what? Girl, you made an awesome freaking speech. You killed it. Let's see any one of them going up to make a speech. How much effort they have to put and bravery and courage to get up there. But you know what? It's awesome to hear that they ended up crying. And I love that. I love that story. That was so good. Um, yes.
1: uh, yeah. So thank you so much for that. And I took it off a tangent. So um, no, but that's a, it's a great, it's a great story. I mean, I could only imagine it's like, I don't like someone coming to my house when it's a little messy. Right. Right. Me too. So I feel like with the restaurant, that's like magnified times I can't even imagine. I can't I can't imagine it be like someone stepping inside my book when it wasn't drafted. And like, right. rather than reading it, like walking inside oh of it. Oh my
0: gosh, it's I didn't even think of that. Yes, that's like, kind of a very... You know, yes, thank you. That was a, that I haven't described yet or yes. my
1: characters without clothing.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you. That's a really good comparison. I, I, I love that. That was so fantastic. Thank you for diving into that with me. And now I'm going to segue into the next question, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, we have Winnie Jenkins who said, "Oh my god, she is literally one of my favorite people." 3 exclamation marks with 3 heart emojis. Like I freaking love Caravel. What is the hardest thing for you when trying to write your first draft? Also any tips on getting past the first the dreaded first draft because right now I am stuck at 15,000 words and cannot get forward.
1: Oh gosh. Okay, I'm sorry. First drafts are the worst. Um, thank you for all the kind words. Um, okay, I think. Gosh. Okay. First drafts. I. I don't like first drafts at all. The most difficult part for me is making decisions. Mm. I'm a very slow decision maker. Um, I will like. I moved a little over a year ago, and my house isn't totally furnished, um, because. I like to choose the right things and I like to choose things that I know are going, I'm going to keep for a long time, really long time. Mm -hmm. So I'm a slow decision maker, um, just in life and in general. And so a first draft is like endless decisions. Um, or I think ideally it should start out that way because you want to have all these possibilities. And so for me, um, the thing that helps me is writing it as fast as possible once you get that momentum, so like I try and like spend more time on those opening chapters to make sure I have my characters and my world, um, the like the main goal and the stakes all figured out, like those big pieces, like figure out those big pieces, and then um, I like the new method I created that I just talked about, like you know, then mapping mm-hmm. it out with the big yes. events you want, and then I say write as fast as you can. So, Ooh, my yes. first draft for finale, I wrote in about um was it, it was like six to eight weeks ish. Um, I wrote it really, really quick. I mean, and it's something no one could read. Like it's really like a lot of insert description here. She reacts, he reacts. What does the room look like? Tie it in in some interesting way or like do this, but better. But I just wrote it really quick to get all the big pieces into play to make Mm -hmm. sure like, okay, you know, and some things changed about it as I wrote. And now that I'm going back and revising it. So I wrote that really quick. I think it was around 41 or 49,000 words. Um, And just to give an example of like how thin it was now, as I'm revising it, every, every scene gets about twice as long. And I have completely deleted almost all the words that I wrote originally. (laughs) Um, But I don't feel bad about them because I wrote them really quick, but the content has stayed. A lot of the content has stayed. I've just fleshed it out more. So I think Letting go of having like the perfect, you don't, don't worry about the writing in the first draft. Like, don't worry about my advice is don't worry about your pros. Just make sure like you're worrying about like what is happening and that like in each scene, you know, that each scene is moving things forward. And even like, even if it's not like a scene, you know, you're going to keep like, sometimes you have to write out the scene where one character is sitting and just talking to another character and there's no action and they're explaining important things because you need to know those important things. And then you can find a way to weave those in interest in a more interesting way, better with some action, with more things going on. Like sometimes you just have to write it all out to get it on paper, but just know, like give yourself the freedom to know, like, you're going to delete a lot of this. You just want to get the story out Mm. because for me, like revising is when like, you know, I'm putting the polish on is when it's coming to life is when I'm making it pretty when I'm finding the right words, but don't, don't, you know, never like, don't look at thesaurus.com when you're drafting. Don't worry if your dialogue is, you know, cliche or trite or wrong, or if you're reusing the same description over and over again, like sometimes it's just a description to know, like you need, you need a beat of description here. Mm -hmm. You know, you need a beat of dialogue here. You need a character. Like sometimes in that opening draft, I will say, and then they explain exactly what they need to do. And then they explain what will happen if they don't accomplish this. Mm. So I, I'm not even explaining it cause I already know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And I know I have to explain it in a delicate way later. So I just put down, this is the place where they explain it. This is the place where she finds out this person has betrayed her. So, um, I would just, you know, really let go of the perfectionism and just go forward. God, that was
0: good. Oh my God. Uh, thank you for answering that so thoroughly. The next one we have from Kayleen Davis. She has a great question. She said, Oh my goodness. I loved Caraval, and I'm so excited to read Legendary. I've been counting down the days. Stephanie's characters are so intriguing and her world building is just gorgeous. I would love to know about her decision to give her main character what seemed to be a form of synesthesia. Why did she specifically choose to give Scarlett the ability to see emotions as colors? What is her process like when it comes to fleshing out her characters? And does she have any tips and tricks for creating a vivid sense of place? Ooh, okay. That's
1: a great question. Thank right. you. So specific. Um, yeah, that is so great. Okay, so I, I love it when people ask me about Scarlett's synesthesia, because that was actually one of the first things I knew about her. Ooh, um, yeah. So like I said earlier, she wrote these letters to legend. So she spent, for those of you who haven't read the book, the first line is it took seven years to get the letter right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every year, Scarlett's writing legend, asking him to bring his Caravel performers to her island of Trisda because her and her sister want to participate in Caraval. And so every year she sends him these letters. and um, And then at the end of the first chapter, which is very short, and it's not a spoiler to anything, she gets Legend finally writes her back and sends her tickets to Caraval and her excitement. I knew I was like, okay, I, I knew I was like, she's going to be so excited. The first thing I knew about her, I was like, she's going to see her emotions in color. That's how she's going to feel her emotions. And so Scarlett's strongest emotions are in color. And um, I didn't, I actually, when I wrote that, it's funny because I have synesthesia. I have a form of it. You do? I, That's so cool. Oh my I gosh. Didn't, <gasps> I didn't know it. What? I didn't know it. And I didn't even know what it was until after I wrote, after I wrote the book. And, um, and I think someone, I think maybe it was Jenny who was like, oh, you know, does Scarlett have synesthesia? And I was like, look this up online. And it's like, yes, she does. And so Jenny, um, had me put in more of it to make it consistent. Um, and the other reason, like I was, I wanted, I added it, not just from that opening scene, um, was because I knew like one of my big influences for Caraval is Boz Lerman. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Right. I, I love his films and before I drafted Caraval, I had been watching The Great Gatsby, and I yes, was like, I was. Oh, I just I was
0: literally thinking about Great Gatsby as soon as you said yeah. him. Yes, yeah. and he's and a I genius.
1: Just, yeah, and it was during the party scene, you know, the one where we always see Leo holding out his champagne glass. And yes, yes, in the background and fantastic costumes, and it's just you want to walk into that yes. scene and go to that party. And I wanted to write a book that felt like that. I was like, I just want it to be bright and bold and a little over the top. And so um, giving Scarlett's emotions and color, I felt was another great way to add color to the book. So that was where that came from. So that's
0: where that came from. And then for you, are there examples like – because for me, I don't have synesthesia, although I wish I did. I remember auditioning for a role that did have it. and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I had no idea what it was until that character came along. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. So can you give me an example like your day to day? Like it could be like a regular old Monday and you're having breakfast. Like, is there an example that you can share where
1: you can recognize that you have synesthesia? Well, okay, so my form of synesthesia isn't as cool as scarletts. I forget even what it's called. It's the kind where you see dates as fixed places in like fixed places in space.
2: What? What is so the way mean? I
1: see Yeah, the way I see my dates in my calendar, they're I didn't know that this wasn't how everybody saw. It's like they're fixed locations in space. So like, you know, like whenever you're watching like a sci-fi and they pull up like the big holograms, it's yes. like that's how I when I think of a date that's how I think it is. It's like a big, um, I see it in my head. And so it's like the way my years are they are in certain locations. And then my yearly, my map, uh, not my map, (laughs) but it's kind of like my calendar for the year is that oval that shows up. Okay. And so each, um, like December is at the bottom and June and July are at the top. Um, and so every date, has like a fixed location in my head. Like that's where I see my dates in my calendar. Like it moves along. So I, whenever I think of dates, um, or like, you know, like even like today I, I see it in a certain location in my head. So that's how, it, that's how it works wow. um, for like my mental, my mental like mapping. Of it. That's so, incredible. Yeah. My sister sees, my sister has an issue synesthesia too. And she has the more exciting kind where she sees, I think it's numbers and letters and colors. Like her oh. numbers have colors. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Like if I ask her what color something is, it ha- has a very specific color.
0: That is so fascinating. I, my, one of my best friends, when he, he's describing things, um, he'll say, I don't know if this is a form of synesthesia, but he would say things like, oh, her voice sounds like honey. Like he actually hears the taste of things and i was like what like and then when i when he was running lines with me for that specific role he was reading he's like oh i think i have a form of this and then he looked it up and i I my mind was blown like he was able to connect certain things with things that i normally would not have even connected but now i'm like i can understand it when he exact perfect example that whole she sounds like honey when she talks i'm like yeah she does she does it's like sultry and it's silky and viscousy and but i never it never hit me until he opened my eyes to it and i don't know is that a form i, I think he, it is because he's looking at it It might be like a mild form but like a different way um so it's just fascinating to me that the people you're able to see things in
1: different ways like this. And I I so wish I could. I feel so boring. I'm like, oh, Wait, God, you don't know. Maybe you do have something different. And I think that's the most fascinating thing about like how we how our brains work. Like, I think sometimes we imagine this is how it works for everyone. Right. And oh. maybe it doesn't. Or maybe it does only for a certain group of people. So maybe you have something that you just don't know because right? you think it's normal, but it's not. <laughs>
0: Like your there we have, go. Have thank you that. for boosting my morale. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Now I feel special. I'm like, mm. I want to be an X-Men too. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, thank you so much for answering that. That was really awesome. Um, and do you have a, okay, so here's the one thing that really stood out to me from Kayleen's question was, do you have any tips and tricks for creating a vivid sense of place?
1: Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, one is Pinterest for oh, me. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. If you look at my Pinterest board, you'll see images that look really familiar. Um, sometimes I'll find images after the fact, cause I'll like look up characters. Usually like, usually I'll create like the character in my head, but places, um, I will search I'll, and I'll collect pen, like when I'm bored or Procrastinating, I'll go on and search things on Pinterest, and I'll use some of those to really help me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's helpful for that, um, mm-hmm. and also just like paying attention in in life to things, mm-hmm. um, and just seeing like you know, like taking things from life and saying like, okay, I want to make this. But I knew like going into it, like I said, I wanted it to feel like a Boslemund movie, so I knew I gave myself the freedom. And some people love it and some people criticize me for it. They're, they're like, your books are over the top. And it's like, yes, I did it intentionally. So mm. I knew, I knew that I was going for colorful places and I wanted a place. I also knew that no matter how like tense or scary or frightening Caraval can be at times, I was like, I want it to be pretty. I want it to be a place people want to spend time. So I knew what I was going for. I knew I was going for something really bold and colorful over the top. Um, and then I, I also would use things from Pinterest. I would look up things for like certain descriptions. Um, I, I, for legendary, I went to Lowe's one day and I got a bunch of paint chips, like the paint sample squares. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah, a whole bunch. I showed this in my Instagram story cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I covered my whole kitchen table. I have a pretty big kitchen <laughs> table too with all these paint squares and I did them for characters so like Julian had his own set of squares, mm. Scarlett had her own set, Tella had her own set because Scarlett's always in reds and pinks, and Tella's usually in blues. Um, and then I had like outdoor colors, indoor colors, and so I was using different colors. And then I think the other thing is for like creating um, a strong sense of place is making sure you have all the different. You know, you want like um, the you're you're appealing to different senses. So you're having like scents, and you're having Um, textures and you're having tastes and you're having, you know, the sound, whether it's like the click of the floor or, you know, the soft squish of the carpet or the creak of the walls or, you know, does something smell mildewy or does it smell citrusy and fresh? Mm. You know, can you smell like the perfume from the person who was there before, or are there, is there old smoke in the walls? You know, what, what does the lighting look like? You know, what is the temperature? What are the things we pay attention to in life? Is it just a little too warm? And is it getting warmer and warmer? Is this person is looking at you or, you know, like, is there not enough light to clearly see things? Is it too bright? Do you wish that the lights would go down so that no one could see you? So like adding that and, and I think making it a part not just like a static thing like not just having paragraphs that it's just like a paragraph of description but tying in the description to how to how your characters are feeling um so like in caraval when scarlet gets her room there's like this big ginormous wonderful beautiful bed she's exhausted and it's this big white perfect bed and she's really aware of the bed and then Julian comes in and you find out they're sharing a room together. So she's even more aware of the bed. Mm. So it wasn't just like I had her look at the bed because it's like every room has a bed. It was like tying into this specific detail that they've been put in the same room. And Scarlett's kind of uptight. And so she's nervous. Like, <laughs> whoa, this bed, this bed. You know, she's seeing it and noticing it a little more. So it's like, what, what are the details your characters are noticing? Because, you know, you're not going to paint every picture in a room but we're all, we're all going to notice certain things, you know, is your character overly aware of like the large clock ticking on the wall because they're running out of time or because they're uncomfortable, you know, and like, would they like this room? Like, and I think going back to certain rooms and kind of giving, like making things change a little bit as the story goes on to reflect other things. So I think making sure that your, your places serve two purposes, one to like create a sense of place, but then how is it, how is it affecting how your characters are feeling? Like how, what are their specific feelings about this place that only they would have? And I think that brings it more to life. It's like each person in a room should notice something a little, a little different.
0: Oh my God. So many takeaways. Thank you for that. And I'm going to end off with the last, um, last listener question, and then there's going to be something else I want to read to you, which I thought was so sweet. It wasn't a question after that, but um, this one is by Jean Rodrigue and she has a really, really good, uh, very heartfelt question. She says she's so excited to hear your episode. She knows that you've mentored a few authors and that you are a big part of the YA community. So she would love to know what are your tips on being a good member of that society? What are some things you can do to give back to the community, even if you haven't published yet? How do you let writer friends know that you are here for them and that you want to help and support them in their jo- journey without sounding like a crazed stalker. Um, and she said, there's a lot there. Best of luck uh, with the, answering the questions And she put this, uh, funny
1: laughing faces. Oh man. That, you know, that's such a good, good question. Um, and it's so, it's so interesting. Gosh. Um, cause sometimes I feel like I'm on the outskirts of the community, <laughs> you know, like, and I think, I imagine a lot of us do because it's so mm-hmm. easy. Like I said, I'm a big – I still am a bigger lurker than I am a participator in a lot of things. Um, and I think for me usually it's like I um, – I think I connect most with like – I have friends that I have made. I think connecting with people who are in the same place as you mm-hmm. always connects the most, you know. So like the friends I met at Big Sur, mm-hmm. I were still friends. Um, even though we got deals at different times and, um, you know, people who I debuted with, I feel like a strong connection to the people I connected. But I think also for me, it's like, I'll focus sometimes on certain people I really want to connect with. Um, because it's like, maybe our initial connection was good. And it was like, you know, maybe I met this person at a conference and when we chatted, it was just like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Like everything you're feeling. So. Like for some of those people it's like, I just make a little extra effort with them. And, um, like I am a big, I'm actually a big phone call person. Me I too.
0: Like- <laughs> I'm all about phone calls. I, I can't stand texting, but I love phone calls.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> like on my computer screen right now, it says that I have 74 unread text messages. Cause there's the little bubble. Oh my gosh. Um, that's so overwhelming. I, <laughs> yeah. But I would call people, um, especially like when I was teaching and I had like this like hour plus commute every day. I would call people every time I commuted. And a lot of times it's like, I'll text other friends and be like, Hey, like, are you free? Can we have a chat? So it's like, I'll, I'll just check in with people just to catch up. So like I have my friends that, um, and I've been bad the last couple of months cause I've just been trying to like work so much. But when I have stretches of time, I try to schedule phone calls with like my friends that I want to oh. connect with just to see how they're doing, just to catch up,
2: mm-hmm. just
1: to talk, just to like, get past like the, like the initial stuff you need to catch up on and really get in those conversations. So, um, and I think for me, like I like connecting on like a deeper individual level. So really like making the effort with those people, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and not being afraid to like put yourself out there or no, 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 it's okay to be afraid. Like we're all afraid. I think we're all afraid yes. just putting yourself out there. And then knowing that, you know, however respond, people respond, like, it's not always about, you but I think it makes a big difference just being bold and like and just caring like I think and also knowing people want to connect with you they really really do like I, I can think of just people who've reached out to me at different times like before I was published like when I said everybody I knew was published um there was this one author and there were a lot of group emails at that time a lot of group emails and I remember this one author after people would get good news she would always email me and be like oh stuff I imagine it's got to be a little hard for you. I just want to check in and see how you're doing. Wow. And yeah, she's so kind, so kind. And Wow. So I think we can't all do all things and don't worry about doing things that you're not comfortable with. If you're great with social media, I don't feel great with social media. I like Instagram. Like I spend more time on Instagram because I like it. I think it's fun. I like looking at people's pictures. I like it when I can respond to comments. Like I'm not always able to respond to everything, but I like interacting with people on Instagram. Um, that's the place I feel the most comfortable. And so I do I do that and I do it in a way that like, I feel the most comfortable with, but then connecting a lot of times it's just, you know, on, a, on an individual level. And I feel lucky because I think where I live, there are local authors and a lot of people I meet in per- person. Um, but just also connecting, like, and sometimes, like, I'll be honest, some, some people don't want to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh. or friends. friend. I have been friends with who I get the sense after a while, sometimes it's like, they're going a different way. And I don't know, oh. maybe they don't, they don't, like, want to be friends with me anymore, or whatever, which is weird. It hasn't really happened. I only say this, like, just in case other people like it hasn't happened in other aspects of life. Like I have I have a lot of like the same friends forever, but I think writing sometimes, you know, you meet people and sometimes you connect and sometimes you mm-hmm. don't, you know, sometimes you'll want to connect with someone and maybe they just have too much on their plate. Oh, okay. Sorry. I think I see like a coyote out my window right Wait, now. Are you serious? Really- yes. It's this big animal. Oh my gosh. It just left. I'm sorry. <gasps> Wait, thought- you don't have like a small dog outside. No, but there's a big spot of land behind my house. Oh my God. like wildlife Preservey kind of, and there was like a big animal I've never <gasps> seen. I think it just pounced. On another animal. What? Are you
0: serious? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Me interjecting, of course. (laughs) So my girlfriend and I and my, I think it was my mom and my dad and grandpa were visiting me and my girlfriend when we were still in San Diego before we moved. We were eating at one of our favorite spots, super chill um, spot called Terry Cafe. Like They serve um, really good udon noodles um, and some teriyaki meals. And um, right outside of that restaurant, we were talking, talking, and I got so distracted. I'm like, wait what the hell is that? And I was like, that doesn't look like a dog, but it's moving like a dog in a weird way, but almost (gasps) cat-like. And we looked closer. There was a freaking coyote, literally behind the restaurant. And I was like, wait, is no one else like freaking out about this? Uh, Especially because I'm New York born and raised. For me to see that in the wall, I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Does anyone else see this? But it seemed like everyone, they were just so casual. They're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, okay, yeah, so, and I'm like, Whoa, wait, but that's a freaking coyote, but yes,
1: so I feel you. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I'm like, I don't normally see coyotes back there. I see a lot of hopping bunny rabbits, but I'm like, this is like oh, a no. big this is so a this big one like animal. just pounce on a rabbit, probably, yeah, it it pounced on oh, something. No. There's pretty high grass back
0: there. Oh my God, so. that is so... I'm glad that you were not out there, by the way. Like, I don't even know what to do if I were bumping into... like. Because I love hiking and I mm-hmm. bump into rattlesnakes. I'm all good. I'm fine with that. I just back away slowly and I'm cool. But... When it comes to coyotes, I'm like, wait, do I, like, go forth and, like, be like, no, I'm the alpha, back off? Or do I fight him? Do I, like, punt him in the nose? Like, what's happening? Like, I don't know. Am I supposed to back away and, like, run? Am I supposed to keep eye contact? Like, I would have no idea what to do.
1: No idea what to do. I would slowly back away. Because if this was a coyote, it jumped high. I'm like, what? It, oh, hell. it I wish oh. I had like video to show you but
0: I, oh my god that is so scary I just I cannot if I saw that in my backyard I don't know what I would do I'm like okay not not about this I'm okay with snakes but when it comes to coyotes I'm like they run really fast probably yeah. and I'm pretty I sure if they wanted it. to attack they would attack especially if they're in like a pack forget it I don't even know what to do nope oh nope gosh, not so about bad. that but yeah um, sorry okay sorry no too too sorry I'm in too too I'm, I'm
1: jumping in oh my gosh but Yes. Oh, yeah. I think ultimately people want to connect with each other though. I think, you know, finding the people who you want to connect with and making an effort. Um, like I, cause there's so many people, but I think um, like people want to connect. I don't know if any of this is helpful, but it's like, that is you know.
0: so helpful. Are you serious? And it's yeah. very encouraging to, again, our community. I know I mentioned it earlier, but I'll say it again. Um, most of them are, are shy. So yes. I think you, breaking it down and unpacking it as humans wanting to connect and being happy to hear from other people is very encouraging for the listeners too, where they're like, Oh, okay. Yes. It's about connection. It's not about all the other things. And I'm not the only one that's nervous. That person might be nervous and they might be wanting and waiting to hear from me and they would be happy to hear from me. So I'm going to make that first move.
2: Yeah. That's helpful. People
1: are like, I still, like, when I'm going places um, for, you know, when I'm traveling somewhere for, like, an event or something, like, I always get nervous. I'm like, am I going to am I gonna have anyone to eat dinner with? And am, mm. am I going to, like, just that little fear. Even though yes. it's like, dude, I live by myself. I go out and get food all the time by myself. I'm fine <laughs> doing things by myself. Like, I've done a lot of things by myself. But if I'm at something where I know there's going to be a lot of yeah. other people. I feel in the outs and so every time, like sometimes I'll reach out to other people and sometimes I get too nervous and, but I can tell you every time someone reaches out to me and sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes we're not able to meet up, I'm always so grateful and so happy and usually it works out and it's like awesome and like I've reached out to other people like last minute when it's like, hey, I'm going to be in this town and I think this person lives here and, you know, I met them once but maybe they would want to meet up for dinner and more often than not, people are really responsive. Oh, I love that. That was so helpful.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. And let me nope. wrap it up with this really thoughtful, super sweet comment. And this is not a question, but I do want this to be shared out loud. Uh from Robin Castro. She said, oh, "I yep. She said I know Robin. Uh-huh. She said I was one of Stephanie's students. She truly is one of the kindest people you will ever meet. Her deep love and excitement over writing was wildly contagious. If someone in class was ever discouraged or lost with the story they were working on, her encouragement and excitement brought them back to a place where they could move forward with their work. I still carry around a lot of her encouragement in my heart. She deserves all the great things that have come her way, exclamation mark. And I was just so touched when I saw that. Comment, I'm like, oh my god, Stephanie needs to see this. Either I forward it to you via email, but it would be nice just to read it out loud for everyone else to hear it because it is very true. You could just tell. I mean, I just met you through this conversation and I could already tell, and I agree with everything she said, and also. There were several other people who jumped in, but with questions that we already basically naturally covered in our conversation, but they did also start off with how much they absolutely love you and how they can't wait for this episode and that they're so excited for Legendary to come out. So I just want to let you know that. End off on like a very encouraging high note. So. You are loved in this community. And thank you so much, seriously, for giving us so much time. Oh, my God. Um, I'm like looking at the time. I'm like, oh, my God, this poor girl probably probably needs to go pee or something and go eat. Thank you um, so much. Seriously, you have been bomb.com. Do you have any craft tip books that you love? Because you sound like you're so good with craft writing. Have you relied on a book or any books that have helped you with that specifically?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, Thank and you. also, Robin, bless you. Thank you. I, that was so sweet. Um, mm. again, that was so sweet of you to share. And Robin, that was just such a sweet mm. comment. Um, but see. yes, oh my gosh, I love craft books. Um, I, I really love the Donald Moss books. Mm, yes Um, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of the fire in fiction the oh gosh I can see the cover of it I think it's the emotional craft of writing it's like a pale blue cover with like maybe a black tree of course Stephen King's on writing Mm -hmm. right now I'm reading John Truby's I think it's anatomy of the story yes yes Mm -hmm. yes
0: it's a really good one.
1: Yeah, that one like so many authors have recommended it to me because yes. I always ask this question too. Like whenever I make a new friend, I'm like, "So, what books on craft do you like?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I I like to learn all the time. So those those are my favorite. Those are some those are some of my favorites. Like the Donald Moss books. I think I've read like all of his books. Wow. Yeah, I just, I just get, I've read all of them and I love them all. I think they work well at different stages. Mm. Like I think like his, um, when I was first starting out his like how to write the breakout novel workbook, I did all the activities in it. And then as I went through all his other books, like he has activities and exercises at the end of each chapter. And I always do those because I like those. Oh so. my
0: God, you're so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was really helpful. Okay, we're going to have those listed in your show notes page. Okay, Very, very helpful. Thank you. And I'm sure listeners would appreciate those uh, resources because they seem to be talking about how you're so incredible with building your world and all of that. So I'm sure they would <laughs> rush over and grab those books for themselves. So uh, we'll have that noted. And also, where can we find you on social media?
1: yeah um okay yeah i am on instagram i um they're like the most um and you can find me at stephanie underscore garber and then um I'm on Twitter and my handle there I, is always really funny because it's kind of like an old nickname because I when I created a Twitter account I never thought I would ever actually use it. Um, <laughs> my Twitter handle is at sgarbergirl. Oh, cute. Uh, yeah, I had friends that called me Garber girl, so oh Garber girl was taken, so it's sgarbergirl. Um, and then my website is Stephanie Garber Author dot com. And I do update the blog. I've been updating the blog more lately because of legendaries release. Nice. But if you look up under extras, I have like my favorite books on craft and old oh, like amazing. blog posts that I liked with like basic, it's pretty basic reading resources. And then I have like other, you know, like Pinterest boards and playlists and things like that. And, um, I try to update my events page so that people will know. And then I also. I think Facebook. I'm like I don't know. There's a Stephanie Garber page on Facebook that I made. I do. I do book there. I've been cross posting a lot more lately. I think after Legendary comes out, I'll probably mostly be on Instagram for a while as I try and finish out finale. Nice. Um, but I love hearing from people on social media. I I try to respond as much as I can. I don't always. So if I don't, don't think I'm like ignoring you. Sometimes I miss things, and sometimes I I just run out of steam. But I I love connecting with readers on social media and you guys make a big influence, like a big difference in what I post. Um, Like I'll try to answer questions in my Instagram stories and do giveaways and just different things. Like, you know, people seem to connect to the posts that I do on writing on Instagram. So I do try to do more of those. So like I, I pay attention to you all. I like you
0: all. Oh my God. That was so good. That's so sweet. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That's so awesome. Okay. That's amazing. We'll have all those links linked up as well for your social media and your tour, the spots where you'll be stopping by for your tour.
1: That's up on your social media too, right? Where they can find it. Yes. That is under the events, um, under events on my website. And then also on my Instagram, I think like, you know how you have like the pen, little stories and things. Yes. Yes. The highlights. Yes, the highlights. So it's one of my highlights up on Instagram. Oh, and I think it's my pen tweet too. My pen tweet links to my tour schedule, which starts now nice. Oh my god! Congratulations! <laughs> I'm so excited
0: for you. Oh my goodness. Okay, listeners listening in, when you're listening to this episode, Stephanie will have already started her tour. This is going to be awesome. Hopefully, you all can make it. And if there's a town nearby, the city nearby, please stop by, say hello. Let her know that you heard her episode. Let her know how much you love her books. And please thank her for your time and her generosity. Seriously, uh, she's given a lot to the community, as you can tell just from this episode as well. Um, But she's given a lot already way before that. And we heard that also from Jenny Bent's episode. So Stephanie, seriously, on behalf of our community, thank you so much.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so, it was, it was so, so fun. I enjoyed it a lot.
0: And that wraps up our episode with Stephanie Garber. Stephanie, it was such a joy to talk with you. I am still so blown away by all the inspiration bombs you dropped left and right. And I can't thank you enough for giving us so much of your time. I hope you're having the best time on your tour, and congratulations again on the release of Legendary. Storytellers, thank you so much for hanging out and listening in, as always. Please be sure to stop by Stephanie's show notes page because we included our favorite quotes and a list of all the helpful books and resources that she mentioned throughout our conversation. For those of you who'd like to re-listen to the episode, our show notes page also lists out the topics that we covered in the conversation along with the timestamps, so it's easier to just fast forward to the part that you want to hear. Head over to 88 cupsofteacom slash podcast slash Stephanie-Garber. If you got some awesome takeaways from this episode and would love to show your appreciation, you can also head over to the show notes page to check out the best ways to support 88 Cups of Tea at 88cupsoftea.com slash podcast slash Stephanie-Garber. Now on to the final note, in case you're just hearing this for the first time, we have a private Facebook group. Our group is exclusively created for fellow 88 Cups of Tea listeners to connect and hang out and for us to keep you in the loop about 88 Cups of Tea-related things. I also chat very closely with our group members to involve them with our podcast and community-related decisions that help shape the growth and direction of 88 Cups of Tea. You get the chance to request who you'd love to hear next on the show, and I recently put up a post, actually, for our listeners to comment with which guests they'd love to feature on the podcast for 2018. We received a lot of requests for literary agent and author, Eric Smith, and today's guest, Stephanie Garber, so I reached out to them as soon as I could, and we'll also be bringing on more guests that our listeners have requested in upcoming episodes. If these are things that you'd love to be involved with, we would love to hang out with you in our group at 88cupsoftea.com slash FB group. It's so fun in there, and I'm really proud to share that our group is filled with the most supportive and encouraging storytellers. Join us over at 88cupsoftea.com slash FB group. FB group. Have a wonderful and super productive rest of your week, and I'll catch you next Thursday. Hey guys, it's me again. Thanks so much for listening in on 88 Cups of Tea. Go create something magical today, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.